All right, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Sports Talk with Jones here. We're so glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, going to be joined by Gary Ramsey of the franchise in Oklahoma City. We'll get his thoughts on the NBA draft, College World Series, also some uh, Big 12 slash SEC football when Jerry joins us coming up later on. Plus, we'll have Coach Bo's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. Uh, our top full story of the week, our Big 12 breakdown as well. The usual segments we will bring you in just a matter of moments. Thomas Bridges is here with me as well. Tom, always a pleasure, my friend. Anytime we get the chance to chat and uh, we'll dive into the NBA draft stuff here in a moment. But uh, about to head to Nashville this weekend and I always love going to Nashville Probably my favorite visit, city to visit uh, anywhere in the country. I usually go a couple times a year. First time I've been this year. And we were talking before the show, Tom, like, it's not cheap to go to Nashville anymore. Like, you you, you got to come prepared. Like, before you go out a night on the town or anything like that, I mean, you you, you need to come in with, with your ammo, basically, Uh not not like Jack Jones style, the the Patriots corner, you know that that thing, or or, or Brandon Miller esque. But I mean, people that know they they know what we mean here. Oh, I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, I've only been once and did not know um, how expensive it was, and just went willy nilly, and uh, you know, checked the bank account the next morning. I thought, damn. You know, I was like, oh, man. So then I figured it out for night two uh, and was plastered before we even left the Airbnb. So which spent a fraction of what I spent the night prior. So it ended up working out. I like that strategy. Uh, I will. I'm thinking, Tom, I, I incorporate that strategy from the beginning. I don't need to wait till after a night of my bank account saying otherwise, like just go in full throttle from the beginning. Exactly. You live and learn, you know, the next time I go to Nashville, I'll be more wise. <laughs> you have to be young and stupid to be old and wise, as they say. Uh, you definitely do. But Nashville should be a good time. Uh, we're, we're going to a NASCAR race on a Sunday night there at the, uh, the Nashville super speedway. And then uh, heading to Chicago the week after that for the uh, NASCAR street race as well. So uh, I'll be living up the NASCAR life uh, here the uh, the next couple of weeks. But uh, certainly enjoying myself, having a good time. What what I wonder, Tom, uh, we we know about the the big culture war of our lifetime that's happened the last couple of months in regards to Bud Light. What do you think the chances are? That at Kid Rock's Honky Tonk, which might be the best place on on Broadway, to be honest with you, what do you think the chances are that they sell uh, Bud Light and Anheuser Busch products at uh, Kid Rock's Honky Tonk? No, they, they've uh, they've made this public. They don't. <laughs> I looked on their website today, and it's still listed. I don't. They don't seem like the type that'd be very good to op- to update their website. I guarantee. <laughs> I guarantee you they don't sell it. Um, but because there was a whole other debacle about that they don't sell it, but now that Garth Brooks is opening up, I guess, a bar there, which is awesome. I would go to Garth Brooks way before Kid Rock. I did go to Kid Rock and bought my mom a shirt. Um, 
she doesn't necessarily share the same Kid Rock politics. Actually, <laughs> I, I, I know for a fact that she does not. <laughs> but, you know, Kid Rock to her is kind of like Kanye to me. I still enjoy Kanye West music, but as a person, just dog shit, you know? Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's like, okay, uh, you know, I'll still listen to College Dropout and graduation albums and uh 808s and heartbreaks but uh definitely not um you know definitely not resharing any of his stories when he's on and off instagram about the <laughs> uh about the jews you know you know we we like a good joke now and then but he's he's far out there so and kid rock just the same just on the actually it wouldn't surprise me if Kid Rock and Kanye end up somehow doing a song in the near future. Um, put put that on my twenty twenty four bingo card. I uh, well, last year one of the times I went to Nashville, I uh, I ran into Kid Rock and met him. Oh, I do. I forgot about that. I yeah, you were like up close and personal. That yeah, that was at that uh, Trump rally you were at, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sure, that's that's what it was. That's where I was at. Uh, my Kid Rock story. I I think I've told this before, but in case people don't know, I'll I'll tell my my Kid Rock story before I embark on this uh this visit to Nashville. Uh, it was not at a Trump rally. Uh, for the record, but I, I was at a, a country music uh uh radio uh convention and uh Kid Rock was playing ping pong with some different country artists and he stuck around afterwards and was meeting people and and uh, I talked to him, got my picture with him, asked him if he was going to run for Senate. Uh, and he said that uh, America wouldn't be ready for that. Uh, <laughs> that, that it's not something the nation could handle him in the U.S. Senate. He said it's it's crazy enough. Like he said, our country's not serious when when people could consider him running for Senate. And, you know, <laughs> like you, you Kid Rock, you're not wrong. That's a, that's a good point there you bring up. Uh, but the, the cool part of the Kid Rock story, two things in particular, uh, this one old lady, she was probably in her sixties and I remember she goes up to Kid Rock and he's wearing this diamond ring. That's probably worth, you know, $20,000. It, it, it may have been a watch. Uh, no, no, it was a ring. It was diamond ring. And she says, wow, I really like your ring. And uh, he says, well, have it. It's yours if you like it. Just hands it right over to her. And she's like, oh, my gosh, you're serious? She's like, yeah. And he's like, yeah. And, like, I kid you not, Tom, two minutes later, this gal just is, is running out the door and leaves. And I, I guess she wanted to take off and, and, and sell that thing before Kid Rock changed his mind or something. It was one of the most bizarre strangest things i've ever seen um that, that, I, I don't know if i'll ever see anything like that ever again tom yeah that is pretty strange that's probably a tax write-off no, i'm kidding, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> but uh that is strange i don't blame her I, it's like when you you know if you caught aaron judge's home run ball you're not 
sticking around and watch the rest of the game, you're going to sell that bitch 100%. You know, what was funny about that, Aaron Judge is a home run ball. Uh, I don't know Todd, if you know the sportscaster, uh, Sarah Walsh. She used to work for ESPN yeah. on SportsCenter and does some NFL stuff. Her husband is the bullpen coach for the Toronto Blue Jays, and he caught Aaron Judge's home run ball. And she thought she was going to get to retire and and live her life. And sure enough, the MLB, because he was an employee, forced him to turn over the home run ball. So oh, that's that's a crock. Yeah. So he did not get to keep that. Uh, my other Kid Rock story from that same night, uh, besides meeting him and him giving away this $20,000 ring, um, was that uh, there was a kid, 18-year-old kid, with his guitar, and he comes up to Kid Rock, and he's like, hey, I'm a young musician, and, and uh, you know, just trying to make it. And Kid Rock, he's like, you know, I'm nobody, whatever. And Kid Rock's like, what are you talking about? You are somebody. You know, have some confidence in yourself. Um, and he went up to Kid Rock's hotel room, and he did like a lesson of sorts, like Kid Rock, uh, you know, let had him perform for him and meet with some record label people and all this, like right on the spot. Like, you know, gave Kid Rock gave this kid like 30 minutes to an hour of a private session, uh, you know, just giving him this his full attention and everything. I was shocked, like just all on the spot that night. Pretty, pretty crazy. So that is pretty. That is pretty crazy. Did they? Uh, dang. Yeah, that would. So say what you would... want about his politics or whatever, but the the Kid Rock I saw that night is a is a very good guy. Oh yeah, no, I just like to make jokes about it. I mean, I would party with Kid Rock. You know, I would, I'd, I'd do a line in the bathroom with Kid Rock, hundred and ten percent. But you, you mentioned. I always think that's funny that he said the world's not ready for Kid Rock in the Senate. I mean, the man the man has a song called Cadillac Pussy. Like, <laughs> come on. Have you heard it? Uh, yes. I was about that. We, we should get in honor of Kid Rock instead of the uh, opening song. Instead of the, what's the opening song? House Party? Uh, by Sam Hunt, yes. Yeah, we ought to make the opening song in the show Cadillac Pussy. <laughs> Man. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe Kid Rock will come out to the race on uh Sunday. That'd be a lot of fun. I, I, would, I would bet, yeah. I I would I would give you at least a 50 50 shot right now to re meet Kid Rock. So I've been told that Gary Lavox, uh, former lead oh. singer of uh, Rascal Flats, is going to be there. He'll uh, be he'll be at River Spirit, um, I think next week. He's pivoted, he's like a Christian music artist now. He always kind of looked like he could play for Mercy Me. Yes, he, he does look like he belongs on Mercy Me. It, it's that hair. Yeah, he'll be there. I've met him before. He was at this race last year. Um, Garth Brooks is sponsoring a car. He's sponsoring, you'll like this time of all people, Bubba Wallace. Um, so uh, maybe Garth will show up potentially. And He's got uh, that bar it's it's in the broadway district i guess it's called friends and low places bar and honky tonk trying to see when it's going to open so see if you get to go yeah 
Um, so you got that going on. And uh, let's see. What else? Uh, there'll be some of the heavy hitters. I'm sure I'll run into somebody. Last year, I ran into Jay Cutler at this race, too. So, Oh, oh I do remember that. Yeah. He was very enthused to be a part of the Summer of Jones. Yes. As you he should, he right? should be. He's balling rich now. <laughs> uh, I miss when he and Christian Cavallari were together. They were, they were great. Yeah, he didn't seem to think so. <laughs> <laughs> Kristen, hey, I, I know she still lives in Nashville. If if you're listening, like, hey, we can hang out. We can have a good time. You know, you, you can come to the race with me, Kristen. Um, you know, we don't have to hang out with Jay either. It's all good, Kristen. You're more than welcome. So uh, just putting that out there. Just shoot my shot. Uh, I, I would be remiss if I, if I didn't take advantage of that opportunity, Tom. I mean, yeah. I mean, you always seem to end up meeting somebody wherever you go. So, I, I, I fully believe that you'll meet either Kid Rock or. Have you met Garth Brooks? I've not met Garth. Um, I've been to one of his concerts, but I, I did not meet him. That's one that you got. Uh, you get, you got to, yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I forget that. Yeah, you got to. Uh, you definitely got to meet. Garth Brooks. I got to meet him because his daughter was the goalie of Owasso and he came to Bartlesville obviously for the game, this girls' soccer game. That was the most attended soccer, women's soccer game probably in Bartlesville history. Oh, I bet. Um, was there because it every it was like made known that he was going to all his daughter's games. So, uh, Tootsie's one of the big uh, honky talks down there in Broadway. They sponsor Daniel Suarez and the uh, track house racing team. And they're going to set up a makeshift uh, Tootsie's like pop-up bar and honky tonk at the racetrack. Damn. That'll be. And they're going to sell a special team track house craft beer at the racetrack. Yeah, that's pretty legit. That'll be cool to see. Um, Did you see Barstool's opening up? uh a barstool bar in nashville i don't know if it's open yet or not oh okay nice i haven't been to one of those those look like pretty cool did you go to the one in phoenix uh i have not i might have to do that when i'm there uh in a couple weeks so that's right yeah they they look pretty cool i mean pretty modernized type bar but it looks pretty cool um let's shift gears now and i talk nba draft tom uh Floor is yours. Uh, how how excited are you about uh, Victor Wimbanyama about to be at San Antonio Spur here? Oh, man, I, I love it. From what I understand, he's already been to San Antonio. He threw out the first pitch at the Yankees game the other night. Um, He's talking that shit. Well, he's kind of just – he's having fun on social media, and he's told the Spurs he wants to play in every game his rookie year. Don't know if that will come true or not. Um, But – there is rumors of him probably at least playing one summer league game. So that's exciting too. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely stoked. Uh, the Spurs rumored to potentially trade up back in the, get, get another lotto pick. Um, I could see them doing that. Maybe I, 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 if I had to put money down, if they were going to make a trade, it'll be with Orlando magic. Um, right out, right in the top 10, um, somewhere in there. And then I guess they're going to, there are people saying they want to, um, 
potentially draft his teammate. Um, don't tell him I couldn't pronounce it for you. It's like B I L A L B L A W, or I don't know. I and I looked at some of his highlights. He looks pretty good too. And if he's going to go in the top ten, he probably is pretty decent. So I am over the moon. Uh, you know, one pretty bad year, probably the worst Spurs year I've ever been a fan in terms of record. Yeah, I, yeah but I knew it was worth it. I would, you know, I was like, I would see them. You know, I'd look at ESPN and see that they were winning. I was like, what are we doing? You know, like, no, you know, or I'd see them down by like 13 in the fourth quarter. And then somehow they'd come back and win. And I would be like, come on, guys, like, don't do this. Like, we're not making the playoffs this year. There's literally no reason. I said, we can have it all next year. And it it was super weird. You know, the, you know, draft lotto night announced the number one pick and I lost my mind. So, um I probably will be making a trip to San Antonio for a game or two this year or this next season, maybe like sometime in February or March of next year. I'll probably make that San Antonio trip again. It's been since, I think it's been since 2018 since I've been down to San Antonio for a game. Yeah. No better time like now. So I, I know, uh, isn't you know, it amazing the pressure that's on Victor here? I mean, I look at this, and here's a guy that has just unreal expectations. I mean, if if he is Tom, let's say, Paul George, or if he is, uh, you know, throw another, you know, really good star out there that's at, even – like a Dwayne Wade type or something like that. If he's that, people aren't going to be overjoyed if some stuff's like, ah, you know, it was you know, it wasn't what we expected it to be. The expectations are that this guy is supposed to be, you know, the the next best thing since LeBron. And it, it blows my mind that we we've sat here today and we we just expect that all to happen. Obviously, injuries can get in the way, but I mean, just I mean, the other people pretty- out there, this is it's just insane what's being put on this guy. And and we've been waiting for a year plus to see what's gonna happen here. I mean, yeah, I'll be pretty disappointed if he turns out like if he's just the same as like Andrew Wiggins, I'll be pretty disappointed. Um, I'll be really disappointed. That, that I could understand, but if he's a Hall of Fame player and like, ah, you know, like some, I heard, I can't remember who somebody said, but uh, a while back, like, hey, if he's a chemo, if he's a, as good as a, a chemo Elijah one, then that's a disappointment. I'm like, what? Yeah, no, see, those are cra- Those are the crazy ones. If he is, if he is 75% as good as Tim Duncan was, I'll be still happy. Um, and I think San Antonio is not going to, you know, I don't think they're going to rush it either. I, you know, I, I, I am happy for one. I mean, I'm happy that we're getting. You know, I say we, but I'm so invested in the Spurs. I'll, I'll tattoo we on my body. Um, you know, we are so invested in, you know, getting Victor now. But I, I think the front office obviously knows what they have, um, and I think they are going to look to build on that. 
I'm very overjoyed, not only that we have the best player in the draft and by probably a decent amount, the most overhyped, or I say overhyped, but the most hyped up player since LeBron coming to San Antonio. Uh, you know how many you know how many Spurs games are gonna be on national TV this year? I think there were two national Spurs broadcasts this year, this past season. I would say there's probably gonna be over twenty this year. Uh, and I am overjoyed for that. Oh, absolutely. To have the st- the the Spurs back, I mean, in the limelight again, you know, say what you want. I understand if, if you don't like the Spurs yeah, as much as they've won over the years and dominated in the dynasty and, you know, people call them boring and all this. I understand if, if, you, if you're not a Spurs guy. But the Spurs, at the end of the day, the way they run that organization – what Popovich has done, the players they've bought, they've brought in. Spurs are good for the NBA. And, you know, as a small market team and everything, it it is, it kind of reminds me in this sense, Tom, like I always tell people all the time, I understand like the Raiders are annoying, but they sure make things a lot more interesting when the, when the Raiders are a good football team, when they're competitive and uh, makes things more fun, I think for everybody else. I think Spurs, although, you know, it was it was a long dynasty, and it was a lot of winning, and they put a lot of teams through a lot of misery around the the rest of the league because of how well they're run as an organization with being a small market team with the personnel, the way they do things. Um, it, it's going to be good for Victor. He is in he's in very good hands. Sure, they still have Tom a long ways to go to get to where they want to go, but this is a huge step in the right direction. Yeah, it is, and and I, you know, I'm biased, obviously, but I've heard other non-Spurs fans say it. They said the league is in a better position when the Spurs are in the playoffs. Like when the Spurs are good, the league's better. And you know, obviously, I'm biased, but I it's something different about the playoffs. Even if the Spurs aren't favored to win it, something about the Spurs in the playoffs is just better. It just feels like it's meant to be because it was obviously meant to be for. 22 years in a row um, until obviously, you know, um, the past four. So uh, I am, like I said, I'm overjoyed. I can't wait. Um, you know, I think the Spurs are going to be set up not only there, but I think, I think I, I expect the Spurs to trade up and, and get another first round pick uh, this season. I think I, I've seen too much smoke um, to not think there's going to be a fire. Um, so I, I think they're looking to make a big splash, but at the same time, I don't think we're, I don't think the Spurs are going to go get like a, a CP three, or I don't think they're going to try to land some overpaid vet. I don't, right. I don't foresee that. You know, last year's draft time, uh, much was made about the top three selections. Um, you know, the Pablo, uh, Banchero, Chet Holmgren and Jabari Smith. The thought was that you needed to land one of those three, that they were all pretty close in talent level. And then the way the season played out, um, it it turned out they, they were, obviously Chet was hurt, so that's a different story. But at least with the other two, they weren't significantly better than anybody else. Like the talent gap wasn't nearly as bad as what was perceived going in out, 
going into the draft. Like it was, the, the, you know, the, the talent pool was pretty similar going down from what it was at the top. Uh, it wasn't as, as top heavy as I think it, we anticipated it would be. This year, though, I I do think it is top heavy with starting off, obviously, with Victor, but Brandon Miller and then Scoot as well. Feel like, Tom, it's those three and it's everyone else when it comes to this draft on uh on Thursday night. And really it's not it's not even those three. It's Victor level one, then level like two point five is Brandon Miller and Scoot, and then everyone else after that. Right. I I know there's a lot of been a lot um talked about the Thompson twins, Amen and Austere Thompson. I think those are you know, those twins are, are somewhere, somewhat up there, but you're right. Everybody else this year doesn't seem doesn't seem too crazy. I mean, and you're absolutely right about last year. You know, Chet Chet Holmgren we haven't really got to see. Um, oh, there was a guy. I think he played for Iowa, and I should know his name because I wanted the Spurs to get him last year, but um, now I can't think. He either plays for the Patriots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I thought, had a pretty good year. I went blank there. I Don't take me not remembering his name that he wasn't significant because I thought he had a great year. Um, and there were some other players out there that, that you know, that, that rookie class was pretty well-rounded. There wasn't anything crazy. You know, Pablo Benchero, yeah, sure, was pretty good. But, eh, you know, like, I guess. He was rookie of the year. But, I mean. But, it, I mean, it wasn't. Jalen Williams at the Thunder selected at 12, who they pick in the Thunder pick again at 12. The second of the two first-round picks from the Thunder last year, he wasn't much worse than what we saw from Pablo uh, Benchero last year. They were pretty close. Right, you're right. I mean, it's there was no up, up, and away. And I mean, hell, even the year before, I mean, Cade Cunningham, yeah, sure, had a pretty good, you know, just it's, it's, it's doing all right, but you know, we haven't we haven't seen. I, I say this, and maybe I'll be wrong, but I don't feel like there's been that large of a talent gap in the past couple of years. Um, that's just been outright ridiculous in the first year coming out. Um, right. I obviously this year, I I I think Victor probably averages 18 a game, something like that. Um, and I, I know the Spurs can use him, so. Um, Obviously, you'd be. I'd like to see the Vegas odds. I'm. I'm assuming Victor for Rookie of the Year is. Uh, I mean, probably a one and one at this point. Well, and and, and Chet is eligible for Rookie of the Year as well, so that kind of oh. messes with things. That's uh, interesting. To know that. Yeah, yeah. Chet can win Rookie of the Year. I, I actually think like Chet actually, because um, we already know he's going to have a significant role in the Thunder offense. Um, you know, Victor will be the favorite, but I don't think Chet's going to be very high, very far off. I think it, it might be actually neck and neck between those two for rookie of the year, but Victor's going to have more of an opportunity of the offense running through him as opposed to Chet being one of many good guys there in Oklahoma City. Yeah, that's true. And he's had a year to work with an NBA team and work with NBA level talent and bulk up. So that should be interesting. I'd, that is a – I'll be interested to see how Vegas scores that out. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think so. Uh, it would be fascinating for sure as far as uh, that goes. Tom, uh, when you look into this draft uh, that's coming up tonight, what team has the most to gain in the immediate future? I know that the Spurs are a long-term project, and you look at the Rockets and the Pistons, You know, some of these teams just have really bad rosters right now. Who do you think, uh, whether it's tonight and maybe even stretching into free agency that begins next week, has the has the most to gain in the short term right now? Um, you know, you not sure where they're picking at, um, but they've already made some moves, traded some picks. I mean, Boston got uh Chris Tapps for Zingas. Um, they've been the most active that I've seen pre-draft. Um you know, they they have seemed to be trying to move some things around. Um, so I'd say Boston, I, I think that Yeah, they you don't know, have a first round pick now. Yeah. I, I think we'll see what they end up doing, but I think the way that they're moving pre draft is pretty interesting. But um the most to gain in the immediate, I'm I'm you know, and I don't I I don't like to say this just because they're close, but very interested to see what the Thunder do with that twelve. Um, you know, I think there's a couple different ways you could go. I think that you could use that pick on best best player available. Um, you could have some other immediate need. Um, you could, you know, you could even think about saying, Hey, um, is there somebody that we want that slipped a little bit and maybe trade up a couple? Um, you know, you, 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 there's a lot of things the Thunder could do, and I think it'll be very interesting to see what they do because they could say, you know what, is how many more times is Sam Presti going to trade down, trade back, gather more picks? Could see him potentially doing that, but they could also go. I don't know if they would immediately need him. I know you would be happy if they said, hey, let's take Grady Dick. Um, you know, if if he's available there or. I've seen some other people say Derek Liley from Duke, that's center. But, and then, I mean, you could definitely do that um, and say, hey, uh, let's let's get that, you know, a defensive center from Duke, pretty solid. And then you could, you know, have Chet playing the four. That would be uh, a pretty scary Twin Towers type situation there. Um, Or, you know, it would be, no, they wouldn't do this, but I would love it if they did. They could take another Jalen. And go with that uh that that Indiana kid. Um that would be pretty funny. But I would say maybe them, um, you know, with the Pelican okay, here's another interesting one. The Pelicans are, you know, I believe they have the fourteenth pick. Um the Pelicans are really interesting right now. And you know, if you're listening to this before the draft. Maybe something that has been of, um, you know, headline news, if you're an NBA storyline follower like me. Uh, what's going to happen with Zion Williamson? Is that is that all hogwash or, you know, are, are, is New Orleans really thinking about trading him? Because they could, and they have that pick at 14. What are they going to do? I think New Orleans has... New Orleans, for me, is one of those teams that could blow up. They are 
on the fringe of what the Memphis Grizzlies were trying to do or had become before Jaw started flashing a gun. Um, they are in the same position, in my opinion, that the Kings are in. Um, you know, on that cusp of turning into a real contender. Does so, Wyatt Mills have to be involved in a uh, deal with the uh, Pelicans. You know, with that extortion shit she pulled, she got her account suspended on Twitter. That you could get jail time for that. Um, you know, that would could be considered revenge porn. You could definitely get in trouble for that. Um, and I don't think she'll release the tape now. But I don't know. I don't know what New Orleans wants to do with Zion. You know, like he's been injured. He's kind of been the Eddie Lacy of the NBA uh, <laughs> in a way. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know what I mean. Um, so be interesting i'd say okay to answer your question without just running around me and my tangent game uh i think new orleans the new orleans pelicans have the most to gain here they could either they could either you know you know roll a six and move up six spaces or i think they could get a a go to jail card monopoly style they could shit the bed here um i think they're on a very you know one way or the other Type situation here. That's maybe the. I think the Pelicans might be the most interesting team to watch this season. In, ter- in terms of, are they gonna are they gonna actually blow up? Or are they gonna are they gonna just shit the bed again like they've been known to do? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, we'll see. But uh, looking forward to the uh, NBA draft coming up tonight. Uh, as uh, far as that goes, and uh, what makes of the uh, rest of the offseason ahead here over these uh, next. A uh, few weeks. Coming up next, uh, let's move to our uh, Big 12 breakdown. We'll uh, bring in Jerry Ramsey in uh, just a few moments. But first, uh, some Big 12 headlines we want to get to. Tom, first and foremost, Bob Huggins. Uh, we knew about the uh, homophobic slur that he said about a month or two ago on a Cincinnati radio station that got him suspended uh, for a few games and cost him a million dollars. Now well, I- this. Now this DUI arrest uh, happens with Bob Huggins and costs him his job ultimately, where West Virginia basically said enough is enough. Like, you got to go, and he was forced to resign. And, you know, Tom, I I look at it this way. Like, you know, I understand that we see coaches get DUIs and, you know, serve suspensions or take time off, whatever, but. Or bang under women. (laughs) This was, I'm going to act like I didn't hear that comment. Um, this was something where it, it was finally enough was enough with, with with Bob Huggins. This was his third DUI he's had in his lifetime. Um, we mentioned the homophobic slur, just the track record of stuff that had gone on there. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sitting here where I, I don't like to see guys get fired and, you know, call for guys to get get let go for off the court, off the field stuff. But West Virginia here, they, they just had no choice. I mean, this was just a, the the end, uh, a sad ending to a Hall of Fame career for Bob Huggins here. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, when it's your time to go, it's your time to go. And, uh, I mean, hell, it, the man's from West Virginia. What more did you expect from a guy where moonshine is king, you know? Um, 
you know, not justifying that by any means, but I mean, hell, there was, you know, he, he thought he was in Columbus, Ohio when it got pulled over. The man blew a point two one. That's incredible. Did you, you hear know? what his daughter said today? No, no, no. What she his said. daughter came out defending him, saying something to the extent of like, hey, this is something that like all of us have done at some point in time. And all the beer cans that were in a bag in his car, she was claiming that he was collecting cans uh, to go donate to the like local recycling center. Now, that's what he's driving to Columbus to the nearest recycling plant. Um, when, when he was in Pittsburgh, but thought he was in Columbus. Right. Yeah. See, now Pittsburgh's a steel city, not an aluminum can center. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, those cans weren't made of steel. Okay. But, uh, you know, she is absolutely foolish for the latter half of that saying he was going to go drop some, what's he going to fucking drive to Columbus to donate a fucking 12 pack of cans? No. Uh, now she's absolutely right about the first part. People hate that. And they're like, no, no, no. And I'm like, yeah, right. Nine out of ten people that I know have driven drunk before in their life. That does not make it okay. Absolutely not. Not um, many people you've known have driven with that high of an alcohol. No, no, no. And I don't think that I even have. Um, okay. Which, I, I, those maybe that's my younger years because I don't do that anymore. But uh, you can ask uh, friends of the show, Jose. Um, he, had, he came and got me last night. Um, but... That being said, yeah, that doesn't make it okay just because everybody, you know, it's back to the mom comment of, okay, just because everybody's done it before, does that mean you're going to do it? Is it if, if you're all your friends are jumping off a bridge, are you going to jump with them? Is, you know, just because Bob Huggins can blow a .21 and drive, does that mean I need to drive to Columbus for and break his record and go .22? I mean, that's pretty high. A .21, I mean, I can – I can see why he thought he was in Columbus. Uh, you know, that that's it, that's pretty wild. That's one of the higher BACs I've ever seen reported, like drinking and driving, like, no, you know, notorious people or people who have some, you know, some pull in terms of being famous. Um, like, what's another good DUI? Oh, uh, not good, but like a, a good example. Like what, what did Henry Ruggs blow? Probably oh. not a point two one. Yeah. Um was an was like was uh Bob Huggins, was he speeding when he got pulled over? They yeah. always say don't number one rule of breaking the law is don't break don't commit a crime while committing a crime. Right. Um I think I've told this story before on the air, Tom, but a while back, uh, several years ago, I was told from a very good source that Bob Huggins had a driver that was employed by the university to avoid from him getting these DUIs that he would be able to drink as much as he wanted without the university having to be concerned about it, that he had this much of an issue he was that much of an alcoholic where was the driver that night did he just take the night off did Huggins say ah, i got this like 
how was he driving a, a university vehicle to Pittsburgh? How, what, what happened there? Yeah, I, that, you know, that I don't know. And then you mess around in Pittsburgh where obviously the cops there are probably pit fans. And so they're like, oh, look who the fuck we got, you know? Well, it's like, there's actually uh, a decent number of West Virginia fans in Pitt, but still. Well, I, uh, you right. know, I mean, what are the chances, though? Like, I mean, you know, now here's a real ethical dilemma, Jones, and I'm interested to see what you think. Oh, God. Um, You know, let's say, knock on wood, it's not going to happen, but, it, you know, if it hypothetically um, – Something happened, your career went downhill, <laughs> and you aren't doing sports anymore, and you just end up being a, a policeman for the Lawrence PD. Uh, you could even run their social media because they have a great social media. Um, but police officer for Lawrence, in Lawrence, and you're cruising old Mass Street one night, and this dude's just drunk as shit driving around. You pull him over, it's Bill Self. He blows a .21. What do you do? Oh, I'm I'm giving Bill a ride home. Hey, I gotta appreciate the honesty. If Mike Gundy was driving around and blew a point two one, um, I'd give him a choice. I'd say, all right, we're even gonna make a quick deal here, and I'm getting club seat access for the next ten years, or I'll take you to jail. <laughs> you know? You know, cops are, you know, there's we, we hear it all the time. There's it's no shortage. It's stereotypical for a reason. Cops are corrupt. Um, and you know what? I would abuse that power too. I would definitely not take Mike Gundy to jail for ten years in a for club seats. Um now likewise, imagine KU's doing not good at football and it's David Beatty's the coach, and KU has made comments that they're gonna stick with him and stand beside him. And then you can immediately get the coach fired by taking him to jail. Yeah, get what fired for cause. Do. Right, yeah. I yeah. mean, Boom, you're taking David Beatty to jail, 100%. Well, and you look at West Virginia, what was so interesting about wherever where they're at right now. I know that they've been down since Oscar Shibway left and went to Kentucky, but they brought in, Tom, the nation's number two recruiting class this year. And Huggins had done an incredible job in the portal. And there was a lot of excitement about West Virginia for the first time in a long time. And I know that we've had the transfer portal rules and several things change and all that, uh, you know, within the the last couple of years or so. And, And now there's limits on how many times you can transfer. Well, they have exemptions built in like hey if the coach gets fired or something you know out of out of the norm that allows guys to transfer elsewhere so what you could happen here is not only do they have a coaching search going on right now which is at an not ideal time to be hiring a coach when everybody's found jobs at this point um but also you could whatever coach that's walking into that program tom you might not have a roster. Everybody might walk out that door and go somewhere else and you not, not have the opportunity to replace them right away. Like whoever this like, next head coach is, if they can't keep that roster together, they are setting up to have a disastrous season next year. 
like if Deion Sanders got a DUI. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they they definitely could. And and to even further your rabbit hole here, um, of you know, Huggins gets drunk, loses his job, in turn hurts not only his, you know, career in terms of, you know, kind of tarnishes it a little bit, you know, not full Joe Paterno style or anything, but um, you know, tarnishes his career a little bit. He goes out, he doesn't walk out uh, you know, on his own terms after having a Hall of Fame career. You mentioned that, you know, big things for West Virginia, the basketball program was supposed to be, you know, hot shit this up upcoming year and number two overall class, yada yada. Well, Jones, you mentioned it earlier. No one's talking about now that he's gone, well, that that driver um, that was supposed to be driving him around, now he's out of a job. Yeah. You know? Uh, you know, and maybe West Virginia says, all right, well, next coach we hire is not going to be a drunk. Um, can't be doing that. And, and cut, cut their costs there. So now that driver's out of a job. Um, you know, Huggins at point two ones actually really fortunate that he did not kill anybody. Right. Uh, it's one thing if you're driving, you know, at, at point one, two or something like that. But if you flip flop that and drive at point two one, that's crazy. That's blackout drunk. Obviously. Yeah. I mean, I bet he woke up in the jail or had a come to Jesus moment um, and sobered up when they put the handcuffs on him and thought, where am I at? Or like, what in the world just happened? Um, you know, that's pretty interesting. I, I want to kind of know: was he drinking the shine? Was he drinking that hard liquor, or was he just knocking back bush lights? Was he just knocking back lattes in the driver's seat? Like, I need to know. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a but sad ordeal, and. Yeah. Uh, Glad that nobody was was hurt, as far as we know. Um, but a very bizarre situation, to say the least. Now this basketball program, uh, of where they go from here, it's not like that this is, we mentioned, Tom, not only is it not an ideal time to be hiring right now, but it's not like West Virginia is a, a great job, by any means. I thought Huggy was was good for West Virginia, that he was a good fit for that program, Hall of Fame coach. Like, there's not Bob Huggins that can do what he does did in Morgantown every single day. I know that you know, Andy Kennedy's name at UAB has been brought up, Jared Calhoun from Youngstown State. Uh, you know, his name's been considered here, but uh, I, I can't think that they're going, you know, Frank Martin, his name's been brought up. Uh, you know, I, I like Frank Martin a lot. And, you know, he did a really good job at K-State in South Carolina. Frank Martin is the only one I think that might fit that culture and bring stability to that program. Otherwise, they, they might find themselves hiring an assistant coach or something because the 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 pickings are, are thin for this job right now. Oh, I mean, yeah, I think at this rate, you, you mentioned that, you know, everybody else has found jobs. It's like it's like coming into uh, Professor Oak's office trying to select a Pokemon, and all the trainers have already come through and took the picks. And so now you're stuck with a, 
a fucking jigglypuff as your head coach. Um, so, yeah, and it's not like West Virginia is some blue blood type program where it's just super attractive. I mean, it's you know, it's 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 one thing if you're the head basketball coach at at uh, <laughs> at Texas and you get in trouble, <laughs> but you might have a uh, shout out Chris Beard, but you might uh, have a decent picking. Um, and in Texas's case, obviously, was their assistant head coach. So right. I think probably that's probably the best thing West Virginia could do is to say, hey, uh, tell their top assistant, be like, here's your shot, bud. We need uh, to keep these players you, here, bring stability. You know, yeah. You, you do well, we'll extend you. Um, that way you don't commit to uh, – it's, it's, it's kind of like one of those nights, you know, all, you know, you're trying to find some old girl to go home with at um at the bar but you uh talk to your friends outside too long you didn't find any old girl to go home with so you just take the you know you you take what's left and you end up with some one night stand that you regret and now, West Virginia and can't do that you could have uh an is, uh, assistant coach be an interim for the year or something you don't if it doesn't work out try again next off season when you have the right time to go find somebody and do a full-on coaching search and everything. There, there's ways to work around this. We'll see. But uh, other things going on uh, on the Big 12 front, San Diego State last week uh, put in a resignation-slash-non-resignation letter to the Mountain West Conference uh, saying that they would like to leave at the end of June but they wanted an extension when it comes to their payout, which, uh, to put that in a nutshell, they would have to pay $18 million if they leave uh, before the end of the month. If they leave the conference after that, then they would have to pay uh, over $35 million. So they want an extension of that. Now, here's the thing. It's been several days since they since it was announced their intentions to leave but they don't have a home they don't have an in, a formal invite from the Pac-12 or the Big 12 the expectation is that the Pac-12 will offer them but at this point the Pac-12 has kind of just left them out to dry so tom what a bizarre situation i understand where san diego state is coming from but this could have handled, been handled a whole lot better than what it was here. And in actuality, as dumb as San Diego State looks, I think the Pac-12 makes them even look worse because the Pac-12 with their incompetence of not getting a, D a TV deal and not figuring out who's going to be in their league and the grant of rights, they put themselves in San Diego State in this whole position here. I, I think at the end of the day, San Diego State does end up in the Pac-12, but it's a messy way of getting there. Yeah, Jones, that is a pretty messy way because, you know, we've said it, I think, like either last week or two weeks ago. Um, you know, it's one of those things until anything's in writing. It's one of those type of deals. Until it's in writing and a done deal, it ain't a done deal. Um, so, you know, it's, it's one of those things that it's like, okay, well, you know, pretty uh, could be pretty hairy because what if what if the Pac-12 decides or what if it's what if it for whatever reason is not a done deal and negotiations about that then going to the Pac-12 drop now 
you're kind of in a weird spot. That would be kind of like Oklahoma and Texas said, all right, Big 12, we're getting the fuck up out of here. And we're going to the SEC. And then the SEC is like, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. We didn't, didn't invite you. Know, yeah, like this ain't done deal. Hold on. You can't just – just because you guys are the two, two power names, just calm down for a second. Let's talk this out. And then what – you know how – I mean, it would be really funny if that did happen in Texas and Oklahoma just got, you know, pushed to the side and said, no, no, no. But this the same things happen to San Diego State right now. What if Pac-12 decides to go a different route? Or what if it's not a done deal? What if the job right. – or what if and, the deal doesn't then- get done? So in theory, like, yeah, they can always go back to the Mountain West, but if you're the Mountain West, aren't you a little pissed, you know? And like, I mean, yeah, that's like taking some old girl back to cheat it on you or something. Right. It's like, it's like telling your, your, your wife, like, Hey, uh, I want a hall pass. And if I like the, if the hall pass likes me, then I'm going to leave you. If not, I'm coming back. You know, yeah, that, that that or another great analogy would be uh, it's like it's like you tell your wife you want an open marriage and you think you're about to get all this pussy or whatever and you don't get any and your wife's out there just taking just a rail of dick, you know, and you're just sitting there just like, well, damn, that was a little that more. Sucks. Yeah, uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> I mean, yeah, San Diego State, like. Did they screw up? Yeah, they did. Could have been handled better, but the Pac-12 did not do them any favors. And it's par for the course based on how the Pac-12 has operated since George Kliakoff took over and how they've handled things since USC and UCLA left. So I don't know how much longer this league is going to survive the Pac-12. And, you know, I know that there's been rumblings about SMU as well. But, I mean, if you're Colorado and Arizona and you're seeing how this is handled, how are you not begging and pleading Big 12, please. We got to get out of here. Like, that's part of the reason why OU in Texas, I know that the money was much bigger than the SEC. Part of the reason why they left the Big 12 was the incompetency of the previous administration, of Bob Bowlesby and, and guys prior, how they ran things. OU in Texas said, we're tired of dealing with this BS. We want out of here. And I, I think there's got to be some frustration in that sense, too. Not only are you going to make less money, but you've got incompetent leadership, too, and that's a problem. Uh, now, Jones, question. I got a question for you on this. Okay, real quick. San Diego State, with San Diego State, you know the climate of conference realignment going on. Did they get too big with for their britches by making the Final Four? Are they too big for their britches doing all this? I mean, maybe are their so, because egos a little inflated? Maybe so because they're wanting a full revenue share from whatever conference they go to. They want if they go to the Pac-12. They want to make the same money as Oregon. If they go to the Big 12, they want to make the same money as Kansas. Um, they've made their intentions very clear. And that was even before the Final Four and all that. So, yeah, it is interesting uh, as far as that goes. One more note. Uh, College World Series still going on. TCU still alive. Shout out to Oral Roberts for ORU going as far as they did, but they've already been sent home packing. ORU, uh, great run there. TCU still in it. Florida uh, alive. Uh, you had LSU beat Vandy tonight, and um, you know I'll, I'll say this for for TCU. Um, great great story for them this this whole year academically of what uh, or for that athletic department. I mean that's 
it's a dream season. I know that they're likely not going to have a championship, but for all three sports, do what they did. Uh, that, that's that, that's the stuff that you you just dream of for an athletic department as as a whole. There, some Lizzie McGuire. This is what dreams are made of. Season right now in Fort Worth. Yeah, I mean, pretty pretty incredible. If you're a TCU fan now, while no championships yet have really come of it, still pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, and, and correction there, uh, they did, uh, they, they did get eliminated, uh, on, uh, on Wednesday, but by Florida, uh, by Florida, but nonetheless, a, a great run for the uh, Horn Frogs there to make it at Omaha on what they've done all year long. Pretty, pretty special. Jerry Ramsey standing by coach Bo also, uh, our draft season draft as well, uh, this week that we'll bring you coming up later. More to come. Stay with us here at the Jones Report. Joining us now, Jones Port this week. Pleased to welcome back front of the show, Jerry Ramsey, TV's Jerry from the franchise in Oklahoma City, joining us right now. Uh, I, I would call him a uh, an alumnus of the College World Series. N- never played in it, of course, but uh, <laughs> has made several trips to Omaha over the years. Uh, place I called home at one point, and he uh, joins us right now to uh, talk. Uh, about that and from the NBA draft. Also, we'll, we'll try to sneak in some uh, some Big 12 conversation as well. But, uh, but Jerry, uh, always a pleasure. And, and I got to tell you, right off the top, we were talking before we went off uh, went on air here. I uh, am very proud of the uh, number that was uh, associated with the jello shots for Oral Roberts <laughs> there of all schools. In uh, in Omaha, they, they they had a pretty decent showing, not just on the field. Got got a win there in that opening game against TCU. But the most important thing, the Jello shot count, they held their own. I'll tell you what, uh, I want uh, some sort of uh, part ownership in Rocco's out yes. there in uh, Omaha. You mean you want to talk about just uh, something that came up and that gets you know basically worldwide attention now, like uh, that Jello shots uh, deal and Oral Roberts, a huge surprise there, huge surprise, but. Tyler, I don't have to tell you and any any guy who and gal who is old enough to know. Man, those private school kids can party. They don't tell anybody. They uh they play it straight during the day. But go ahead and get a private school kid after hours and see what happens. So when you look at, when you look at it in that context, like maybe I don't know. Maybe that number isn't as surprising as you may have thought. Because uh yeah, I I know my share of guys who paid tuition, you know, in their sophomore and junior year of high school, they could get down and, and really party. Yeah, uh, I I hope for their sake that they were far enough away in Omaha that word didn't get back to the powers that be uh, <laughs> to get in trouble of some sorts. But I I was saying too that you know I, I'll, I'll be honest, like you know, I grew up going to you know a lot of ORU games from time to time, living in Tulsa, a lot of ORU and TU games, but. Sure. I never went to school there, no connection there. But I, I would gladly buy a jello shot in honor of Oral Roberts University. Like to me, that would be something I, I would be proud of to do for them on their behalf. I, I hope people continue to do so even after they're eliminated here. I mean, just think about it. I mean, they haven't been there since the 70s. The only thing I know from the 70s is me. I, I don't think anything <laughs> older is from the 70s, you know, and that's the last time they went there and they got to really showed out. And it's really, if you haven't been right, I'm going to be that guy that tells you, you got to go. Even if you yes. don't have a dog in the fight, uh, Omaha, if it knows how to do one thing, it knows how to host this event. It's been doing it for years. 
and uh, they uh, do a fantastic job. You're like a 10-block radius of just stuff that's just going on, and you can find something to do and make your way to the ballpark. It's a gorgeous ballpark. I mean, there's not – and I'm not just saying this. There's not a bad seat in the house. I went and saw a rain-delayed game between Stanford and Texas, I think, a couple of years ago, and I was way up, and it was still just – the wind was hitting me perfect, and it's just a great time to be at the ballpark. It's just – it's a fantastic atmosphere, and – Man, I'm glad that those ORU people that showed up, um, they got to see what they saw. And, and going up against Texas uh, Christians, right, doing that, they had to do that two times in a row. Yeah. Uh, always, And they were always battling. Like, they were never out of a, a game. So, just a great showing from ORU. So, ORU made it this year. OU made it last year. OSU, the, the Cowboys are up next, right? Oh, my gosh. I mean, you want to talk about uh, poor guys. I mean, look, they've hosted the regionals a couple of years in a row, right? Trying to, you know, trying to make their way up there. I don't know. Have you been to Obrate? Because nobody's invited me to Obrate. I've never been a, to Obrate. It is a great, like everything I've heard. It is a beautiful, beautiful facility down at OSU. So uh, I, they have everything going for them, right? Uh, as far as even in the Big 12, uh, they got hot at the right time, but just, Man, they just can't make that extra step to get to uh, Omaha. I really would like the Cowboys to make it to Omaha, though. And I, I listen, I'm rooting for them. We are the flagship station for OU. But when it comes to OSU baseball, I mean, the magistry and uh, all the legendary players that's come from OSU, I mean, you would think that legacy, you'd want to see them get there. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, Jerry, uh, as much uh, of a time Omaha is, uh, that's not why we brought you on today. I want to head to the. Uh, NBA draft, which is uh, coming up tonight. This will be released on uh, Thursday morning. Draft coming up tonight. Um, we know what the number one pick is going to be. That's pretty obvious with Victor. But what are your expectations? What are your thoughts for what's uh, coming ahead for the uh, rest of the draft here? Uh, with uh, what, what do you make of what we have in store coming up Thursday night? I mean, obviously, it's a coordination for what's supposed to be this generation's next player with Mignogna coming over from France. We know something. It's not a pitcher. Uh, I don't know if you saw that first pitch at uh, the Yankees. Uh, but, yeah. Not, oh, yeah. You need to go check that out. He, trust me, he's not a two-sport uh, player. He's uh, he's definitely a basketball player. And, uh, I mean, we're going to see that San Antonio. I was talking with, uh, you know, with my co-host, Kelly Gregg, earlier today. And I want you to think about this, the expectations for this kid. If this kid has the same career as Yao Ming, Follow me, right? And I think that's oranges and oranges. Uh, international player coming over, big guy, kind of bigger than life. If he has the same, uh, if he has the same career as Yao Ming, it's a disappointment. And Yao Ming is a Hall of Famer. Like Yao Ming was a multi All Star, but people have yes. such high expectations of this kid that if he, you know, if he, he has a Yao Ming uh, career, it's going to be a disappointment. So uh, lofty goals for this kid. Want to see what he does and comes in. Uh, put him together with Pop for however Pop wants to stay there. I mean, I can't think of a better situation for him. He's really set up for success. And then you get to two and three. It's a, it's basically, I think, a three-man draft. Whenever you're talking about Scoot and you talk about uh, Miller. And I love it. I mean, smoke screens are up. Is uh, Charlotte going to take Miller? Uh, are they going to take Scoot? Looks like uh, a lot of talk is they're going to take Miller. But last year, Woj said that, you know, number one was going to be Jabari Smith. So smoke screen is completely out. Scoot is the real deal. That's a guy I would love to pair uh, with LaMelo Ball, but really you're not going to go too wrong with either one of those guys. And then after that, 
I mean, all bets are off. I mean, Utah wants to move up. Dallas wants to move up. The Thunder want to move up. And other teams, they might want to move down with some of the talent that they had. And uh, it's going to be, I think it's going to be pretty nuts. Is there any chance, uh, Jerry, you think that we see Scoot uh, or Brandon Miller, either one, be better than Victor? Is there any chance at all? How did those two compare talent-wise, you think, to Wimbanyama here? How close are you to Wood? Knock on Wood when I say this. Injury. That is it. Yeah. That is it. Injury. I mean, that's uh, Scoot's great. He is. Uh, the ceiling is high for him. All-star ceiling for him. Brandon Miller uh, in the last year really proved that he can be an NBA commodity. Uh, we'll see with that. But uh, better than Wimbanyana? Oh, man. I, <laughs> I, You know, think about it. Better than, right, a better prospect than Zion Williamson. A better prospect than Anthony Davis. I mean, think about some of the talent that's come through in the last 10, 15 years, and they're skipping right over those guys and saying that he's the best, most polished pro- uh, prospect since LeBron James. That kind of means something. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, and it's just a damn shame that he's going to San Antonio of all places. Like, uh, you know, you, you want to talk about the NBA being rigged. You know, somehow everything works to their advantage here, you know, getting these uh, top players when they have the number one pick in, in that sense. And uh, with with Victor here going to San Antonio, I know that they have a lot of problems to uh, work out with that organization, and they're in – you know, rebuild mode and everything here, but this kind of escalates their process a little bit, doesn't it? Kind of speed things up uh, quite a bit, I would think, at an employer of Victor's caliber. They got what they wanted, right? They stripped everything to the bones. Uh, uh, Popovich was all in on it, and he did it too. Developed some of that stuff. Kelton Johnson is a guy that they have. They like the showhand kid from uh, Baylor uh, that they have. So they, they have some pieces, but they never did go, you know, full steam ahead trying to win anything. So, uh, let's see what they do with Vivian Benyana. And, and yeah, um, I don't know if you know this, but uh, success breeds success. So if he has any sort of success, there's going to be players that will want to come play with him. And the next thing you know, the ball starts rolling. And if anybody knows how to coach a successful team through all this, it, it's Greg Popovich. So they're, they're playing a little possum, right? They, they, they yeah. strip down to the bones. and They're playing a little possum. So, yeah, all things for them. So. I really want them to start contending. And remember, there's uh, 10 teams uh, in each conference that, that makes the play-in, play-off spot. I expect them to contend for a play-in spot for sure next season, if not a playoff spot. You know, uh, I was thinking about this, Jerry. We have several teams in the NBA that are all in this tank mode or coming out of tank mode in the case of Oklahoma City. You know, they're they're moving up from here. Who has done the the best job of uh, you know this this tank mode or their rebuilding efforts? Is it Oklahoma City? Is it San Antonio? Uh, I know things haven't worked out for Houston the way they wanted to necessarily. Detroit's been in that position. Who's kind of impressed you of who's uh, with their foundation they're putting together here? Okay, so this is a trick question. I'm gonna throw a curveball at you, and then I'll answer the question that you actually asked me. Okay, okay. who's doing the best job of tanking and collecting uh, talent and it working out for them? The Boston Celtics. Can we not remember a couple of years back when Danny Ainge had all those draft picks? And this is before Marcus Smart. And this is before Jason Tatum. And this is before Jalen Brown. But how many titles a- do they have to show for it? But but where are they at? They're a finals appearance. They, I mean, that was a huge upset. Eight and you know, eight beating two with the Boston Celtics. I mean, but they're continually uh, contenders in the East. 
with all those people. That's all you want to be. You want to get there and have a chip and a chance. You do. That's all you want. And sure enough, Boston has been there. And they did it by stacking a bunch of uh, a bunch of uh, you know a bunch of picks and putting those together. And now you got to Tatum and Brown and Smart. And now you can move assets and go get guys. So the Boston. Yeah, they did that for Kyrie, and that didn't really work out. Yeah. But you know what the thing with that too in Philadelphia with the process the same way. Yes. They made mistake after mistake after mistake, but they had so many assets that they could do those mistakes. Philadelphia, you know, with Simmons and Folks, and think about all that. Really, they only have Embiid to show for it, but because they had all that talent stacked, they were able to go get a James Harden. They were able to go get a you know Tyrese Maxey and develop him. So it's worked before. I know a lot of people don't want to hear that, but it has worked before. And now you get into the arms race with Detroit, San Antonio, Houston, uh, the Thunder. Hell, Utah made a run with Benyana last year. Um, I mean, I you know, am I biased when I say Oklahoma City? I'm not, and here's why. Not only did Oklahoma City accomplish what they did with no one watching, right? You get SGA, an all-NBA performer, and then you get a whole whole bunch of guys around him. They surprised people. Think about this. They lost their number two pick last year the number two pick, and they still end up getting the runner-up and rookie of the year in J-Dub. That is phenomenal. That is, I don't know if it's luck. I don't know if it's development, what it is, but you don't lose your number two pick and still end up with the second guy in the rookie of the year contest unless you got a decent culture. So, And on top of that, what people don't see, with all this rebuilding and things, you got Troy Weaver in uh, Detroit. Uh, you got, uh, oh gosh, what's his name? In uh, Washington. He just got a new front office job uh, straight off of uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder. So not only did they get the players they wanted, not only did they develop the guys they want, but now they also placed guys throughout the league that have Thunder ties that, I don't know, maybe you need to move up to the five spot and you got a guy who's friendly with you in Detroit or you need to move into the eight spot. And you got a guy who's friendly with you in Washington. Like, Sam Presti has absolutely played chess while everybody else is, you know, playing ring around the rosy. Yeah, I think so. And I look at this Thunder team and I'm excited about Chet Holmgren. I think he's, you, you mentioned about the rookie of the year stuff. Had he not gotten hurt, he was the favorite to be rookie of the year going into last season before the injury happened. I think he's going to have a, a big year, you know, assuming he's healthy and everything this upcoming year. But then beyond that, um, I still think this team needs to find a scorer of some sorts. Don't know if they can get a Brandon Miller, but a Grady Dick or something like that. If, if they can add one more scorer here, that to me is what I'm looking for. What are you looking for? What do you think they, they need to target with this draft and for their uh, next step forward progress? Okay, the fit is obviously a guy that can play four and five next to Chet. So yeah. if you if you look at it, uh, you got a guy, you got a defensive wizard in Dort right, who doesn't get the accolades he does because of the win-loss record with the Thunder. You got Giddy, who a lot of people are very high on, not just in the Oklahoma City area, but around uh, 6'8 point guard, sees the floor incredibly well, obviously Shea, and then you got Chet and Dub. I mean, man, that is, that's a lot of wingspan, that's a lot of youth, and that's a lot of really good contracts going forward. Where they got killed last year was rebounds, block yep. shots, stuff like that. So you probably need a, a bigger body. Now, there are a handful of bigger bodies that are going to be available at 12 or at 11, 10, 9, if they happen to move up or whatever. Or they can get best player available at 12, and still they got a ton of cap room. Now, part of the problem is 
convincing people they want to play in Oklahoma City. But with that cap room, you can overpay a little bit for a guy who specializes in uh, download defense, block shots, and rebounding. So that's what the fit is. The fit is they need uh, a bigger body. They need some depth up front. But they have the luxury of going out and getting, like you said, maybe another guy that's a volume scorer. And you think you don't need that guy. But you throw him on there, you develop him, and next thing you know, you got an excellent sixth or seventh man. Right. Yeah. Uh, better have more options than not enough uh, as far as that goes uh, with Oklahoma City. Uh, and, you know, that team was the, you know, 10th seed technically, but obviously bumped their way to nine by getting to that next part of the play-in. This next step for Oklahoma City this year, you, you, we mentioned getting Chet healthy and another year of development and, you know, the draft picks coming in. What do you think can be the ceiling for the Thunder in uh, this upcoming campaign here with uh, what they're bringing back and what they're about to add? Okay, so let's we're all excited, right? We're all yeah. like just thrilled about it. And, and, you know, compared to a teenage boy getting a second base, it's fine. Like we're all really happy about it. But there's still development to be made. Chet Holmgren has not played an NBA game. Just hasn't. I mean, that's the, the bare bones facts of it. You got, uh, you know, you got uh, J-Dub who has only played one season of NBA. You got Shea, who this is the first time that he has to deal with success. Think about this. He's had a chip on his shoulder since he's been in the league, getting traded from uh, the Clippers, coming over to the Thunder. Obviously, you know, the Thunder in the, in the tank mode, like you said, in the development mode. He has to deal with success, and not everybody deals with success great. There's a guy in Memphis that's having a hell of a time uh, with success, you know, and John Morant. So, there's a lot of development that still needs to happen. There's a lot of fits that still need to happen. So uh, honestly, I'm a little conservative on this. I think a, a, a playoff, not a play in, but a playoff spot. And if everything goes right, they, they might look like the Sacramento Kings from last year and get some home court in the first, uh, in the first round. That that's, that's the ceiling ceiling to me is home court in the first round. But I kind of see them being a, a, a seven or a six, uh, seed right now long term jerry i know it's still hard to project well into the future but just seeing these players that are already developing and the draft picks that are ahead i sit here today uh on thursday june 22nd and i think jerry that this next generation of thunder basketball is going to be better than the, the previous generation that we saw in the first iteration uh there in oklahoma city what say you oh my gosh that is so uh yeah, that's uh, optimistic. I don't so hard on that. Uh, three MVPs on one team, man. Doesn't happen. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. In one so, final appearance. I get it. I, 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 I know. I and, and and hopefully Sam Presti's learned his lesson for that. Building the team is not Sam Presti's problem. That is, that is never going to be Sam Presti's problem. It's how does he keep it? How does he keep going with it? How does he, you know, feed the monster? And He's as good there. of a scout as anyone in the league. It's the it's keeping yep. guys been his issue. Yep. Well, and and you know, and he's made some moves, man. I mean, Billy Donovan coming in for Scotty Brooks, and did that you know boil over Kevin Durant? Is that why he left? Uh, going all in on Carmelo Anthony and Paul George. I mean that that didn't work either. So he he can get the part down where he can get the young guys in and get all that going and develop them in a timeline. It's the point after that. And that's what Sam Presti's really, that's what we're looking for in Oklahoma City in the next three or four years is can he keep this team together? Can it go and be successful 
uh, like the run they had. I mean, think about it, Tyler. They lost to the eventual champions three years in a row, four years in a row, right? They lost to the Lakers. They lost to Mavericks. They lost to the Heat. And then they lost to uh, the San Antonio Spurs. I mean, that that's pretty good. Oh, that one time they lost to the Golden State Warriors, too. Remember that part? Yeah. So they had, you want to talk about that success and where they never got a chip out of this, but they're right there knocking on the doorstep for four or five years. Probably that just doesn't happen. So when you say that this next batch can be as successful, I'm sure Sam Presti appreciates that. But man, that is an unprecedented run with uh, what they had. So I, I don't have those expectations. Okay. Okay. Uh, that's my bold prediction. Uh, you know, I'll, and when I'm it comes through, when it comes to you, you get a hold of me and just, I told you, I told you, I told you. We'll, yeah, we'll, check, we'll check back on the tape later. You know, you're, yes. you're now. Yes. Uh, with that said, uh, of their future, one more thing, and then we'll move on here. You know, whether I look at this Oklahoma State team, and we mentioned how excited we are and what they're building and everything going forward. The big difference I see now compared to the time you mentioned previously is that there's not a Golden State Warriors dynasty or a San Antonio Spurs dynasty or you know, the, the big three in Miami that was going on. I mean, like, I look at Denver, Jokic and Murray, they were the best team all year long, but I don't sit here and be like, man, you know, they're going to do this for the next decade and be impossible to get through, or Boston or some of these others here. There's a whole lot more parity as a whole in the league right now than there's been in quite some time. Do, do you see there being a, a, a dominant team or two that stands in the Thunder's way or something that could, could stop you know, uh, stop their potential of some sort, stunt their growth growth a bit. Who, who's kind of the big threat do you, do you see being in their way of sorts of the future? I, I don't know if you're a Monty Python fan, but you never expect the Spanish Inquisition, right? You never see it coming. I don't <laughs> And if, if my the Monty Python fans out there understand that, you just never get, you never know. You don't know. Uh, when Golden State came around, it was a battle between, you know, the Oklahoma City Thunders, fortified themselves to play the Lakers and to play the Spurs. They did not see the Golden State Warriors coming along. And neither did half the league. That's why it took them so long to, you know, just sit there and course correct. It took them forever. And that's why Golden State got on the run they did. Oh, not to mention they went and got a pretty good guy that was plug and play with uh, Kevin Durant. Well, and there but, was questions about their style of play uh, as well. If uh, Jump you know, shooting team, yep. I remember. Charles Barkley said that from the beginning, you know, like, oh, jump shooting team can't win in this league. Yep. So, so you, you just, you never know. And you look around, uh, man, the East is always going to be tough to get through. And you talk about injuries and things that, that happened this year. If Giannis doesn't get injured, do they make a run? Obviously with Boston, their biggest problem is from their neck up Philadelphia. James Harden looks like he's going to go back to Philadelphia and then look at the Western conference. Uh, Denver's just now starting to figure some stuff out. The Phoenix suns go ahead and trade. Didn't they get a big three? Um, just, you know, and I'm not, I'm not going to dismiss the golden state warriors until they've dismissed themselves and maybe they can do it and they'll blow it up themselves, but I'll never dismiss them. And then, I mean, the Memphis Grizzlies were rolling before all this mess with John Morant. They were really, really good for two years in a row. So it might be their turn. Yeah. Uh, very well might be, uh, we're joined by uh, Jerry Ramsey here on uh the jones report this week as we're talking uh all things nba draft and now we're uh shifting gears over to uh talk some football now uh jerry uh looking ahead as big 12 football here where oklahoma and oklahoma state are at headed towards 
2023. What's kind of your expectations for the uh, the season ahead? I know we're getting ready for media days, preseason polls are out. A lot of love for Texas, but I, I see kind of like we talked about the NBA-wise, a lot of parity. I'm not sold that this is Texas's year to, to take the Big 12 title. I think that there's a lot of teams that are pretty close to each other. What say you? All right, we'll start. Okay, I I, I want to make this proclamation to you, Tyler, and I'm, I'm so sorry, but after this year, you can't come to me with uh, Big 12 takes because uh, I will no longer be covering the Big 12. Uh, I will be covering the uh, Southeastern Conference. Uh, oh, okay, so you're, you're going to ignore that team in Stillwater completely. <laughs> you're, all, you're an SEC guy for the brand now. I don't know if you know this, but it just means more uh, <laughs> in the Southeastern Conference. So I, I, I do appreciate you bringing me on, and I'll give you everything I have on the lame duck year of uh, the Big 12 <laughs> the Sooners. And the Sooners are equipped to, why not, go ahead and uh, contend for the Big 12 championship. And some of it's by default, and here's why. The way with the new teams that came in with uh, Cincinnati, Houston, Central Florida, and BYU, um, it's sort of watered down the league a bit. And Oklahoma is not going to have to play some pretty fierce competition, including Kansas State, who might be one of the teams uh, that are favored to win the Big 12. So Oklahoma doesn't have to run into them unless they run into them in the Big 12 championship. So there's there's a lot of talk around here where the Oklahoma City, uh, the Oklahoma Sooners could win 10 games and still not be as good of a team as they were last year. If you remember, there's a lot of one-score games last year. Uh, without Dylan Gabriel. I've had locked ahead, yeah. Without Dylan Gabriel, they got blown out of the waters because who knew that the Oklahoma Sooners didn't have a contingency on backup quarterback. That's uh, That was a surprise to me after having a bunch of Heisman Trophy winners there in-house. You would think that they could do something. But the guy with that playbook went you know, west. But uh, I think that this team if it's as good as last year's team and can actually finish off some games, then nine, 10 wins is not out of the realm of possibility and competing in the last couple of weeks for the big 12 uh, championship berth. I think that's a real thing for the Sooners this year. Now you want to know about the Oklahoma state uh, Cowboys? Tell us. Yeah. Good luck. I don't know. They didn't have a spring game. Okay. Uh, They had like a meet and greet. Uh, I, I saw, you know, maybe uh, who was it that, that hung out with Alan Bowman last week? Like I saw a report on a guy hanging out with Alan Bowman. Uh, Mike Gundy went out and, and did his Google search again uh, for another guy that is going to Nardo. That's going to, you know, run the defense. He, we know he's going to run the Iowa State three, three stack or whatever. And that's going to happen. But here, you want my bold prediction, Tyler? They're going to finish 12th or they're going to finish, you know, fifth. I don't, I don't know. Because it's it's Oklahoma every single year it's Oklahoma State and you when you pick them to have a bad year and their demise they'll win games that they shouldn't and when there's expectations on OSU they'll you know drop a few that they should you know, it just it is what it is and then Oklahoma State is just an absolute I am just I, I I try to read into it I try to look into it maybe I'll take a trip up to Stillwater and sneak around I don't know but uh, they are really anomaly to me I have no clue what's going on there. Yeah, I, I get that. OSU is hard to figure out. I like Bowman. Uh, I might even like it better than uh, Spencer Sanders, quite frankly. Um, but we'll see exactly what they put together. Since you are now an SEC guy, I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll leave you with this. One, one final question, and we'll make it SEC geared. We saw the opponents uh, that OU is getting in their first year in the SEC. Uh, what was your initial reaction? What's your thoughts uh, of uh, – OU's first year in the Southeastern Conference. 
Okay, first of all, I am gearing up to be an SEC guy, okay? <laughs> so I'm going to start here. Uh, I looked at Y'all it. Y'all need to learn to tailgate there first. I, I, I think undefeated, obviously, a national championship, because if you're an SEC guy, that's what you got to say about you. Even if you cover the team, right? Right. I, I, I'm trying to get in here and and figure right. this stuff out. Uh, they don't like guys that uh, take a take a look at it analytically. They want to hear. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, Tyler, we're going to go undefeated. Um, I was I was really surprised that they put both Georgia and Alabama on the road at Texas and Oklahoma off the bat. But that just tells me what a big set that these guys have. They're putting their best against you know Oklahoma and Texas coming in and sticking them on the road and saying, here's the big boys. Let's go. Let's get it done. And uh, you love it. Josh Heupel coming to Oklahoma, right? Uh, and obviously with uh, you know with South Carolina, uh, there's some Oklahoma ties there coming to Oklahoma. I mean, it's just going to LSU. There's two things I know about LSU, okay? And this is whenever they played in the 2000s, that national championship. You're either a tiger or you're tiger bait. I learned that a long time ago. So uh, I cannot wait to make that trip to LSU next year. Um, it's going to be fun. I don't know how successful it's going to be <laughs> that first year, but uh, it's going to be fun. Jerry, let's make that road trip. Let's call Baton Rouge, you know, uh, the, the, together uh, down in uh, Louisiana. I would love to go to that OSU, uh, that OU-LSU game. Oh, you, think you, you think you and I are going to uh, Baton Rouge and we're actually going to make the game? There's no way. There's no That's way. That's true. Yeah. It We're just going to be tailgating all day, yeah. It could be an 11 o'clock game. We're not going to make that game. That's uh, <laughs> It's going to take everything I can to get up there and, and and not have a good time. Oh, my gosh. That sounds incredible. I can't wait. Should be I lost. Will, I will say my last year in the Big 12, though, uh, and I, I know that you, you know, you're know you going to leave me with this, but I was going to say I am taking the BYU Provo trip. <laughs> like I, may, I made sure that uh, I went and talked to my bosses and I put my tiny little size seven foot down. And I said, I'm going to Provo. And they're like, okay. <laughs> Good Provo? luck there. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, you know, I made a big deal that I was going to go to Provo. And they didn't seem to think it was that big of a deal. So uh, off okay. to Utah for me. Woo! Hopefully you don't come back with a bunch of wives uh, in the process. You know, I can only handle the one I got, man. Barely right? enough on that one. Yeah, goodness. Uh, I, I know I said one more thing, but I'll have one more thing. Uh, okay. Jerry, not, I know you're a big music guy, not to make you too jealous. Uh, but when we get done with this show, I'm actually headed to uh, Nashville this weekend. So, no, nope. no, nope. I am just no, I'm I am so mad because one of the SEC trips, I was hoping that they'd get Vanderbilt so I could go to Nashville too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm incredibly jealous. Uh, the only thing I can checkmate that is last night, uh, Elvis Costello was uh, in town. And oh, so I got I got to go check out Elvis Costello. I don't know how big of a fan you are, but okay, uh, I've only seen him a couple of times. And uh, tremendous, tremendous show last night here in Oklahoma City. But yeah, down in that, that's a hey, that's a it's a place to get some stuff to eat, and that's a great place to go check out some music venues. Yeah, I'm uh, yeah, I'm jealous. I'll give you that. Yeah, um, and uh, stay away from the bachelorette parties. Yeah, so I should stay away. You should dive in head first. Oh yeah. <laughs> No, no, that was for you. That was for you to stay away. Yeah. Oh, I, no way. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'd definitely be in trouble. You go, you go in there head first. See what you can get done, pal. Tyler Jones here with you. Glad to have you with us. Yes, uh, <laughs> indeed. Jerry, uh, plug away. Where can people find all your work and uh, everything you're doing, man? What's uh, what's the easiest way to track you down? Oh, it's at TV's Jerry. Come follow me on Twitter. Uh, you can always catch me in uh, the uh, sports. 
uh, game of du jour. I will be live tweeting. I especially get into tomorrow night. We're going to be doing a uh, draft party at the franchise. Uh, we're going to be uh, all over the place. So you can catch us. we got one of our guys, Daniel Bell. He's actually going to be in Brooklyn uh, during the draft. And then Thunder Season comes, uh, 107.7, the franchise. Download our app. Do whatever you want. You like classic rock? I do a little classic rock in the mornings. That's on uh, 104.5 in Oklahoma City. Classic rock. Uh, also, uh, throwback hip hop and R&B. I'm the voice for that in Oklahoma City. Uh, that is V103. And on Sundays, I have a vanity project on uh, one of our better stations, KOMA 92.5, where I'm doing two hours of yacht rock, uh, the best in marina rock, uh, for two hours, getting that done on Sunday morning. So, yeah, not much. Not doing much of anything. Not much at all. I love it. Jerry, appreciate the time as always. Uh, we'll talk in soon. Thanks for joining us, man. Thank you. Time for Coach Bowl's Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisor Group. You can find O'Connor Advisor Group online, oagks.com, o'connoradvisorgroup.com. You can also check out the Coach Bo Knows podcast, how each and every week, wherever you listen to podcasts, Coach Bo joins us right now. Bo, how are we doing this week, man? I'm doing all right, Tyler. How about yourself? I'm doing very well. Uh, Bo, I imagine you're a pretty happy camper with uh, those LSU Tigers in the College World Series right now. Yeah, I just, you know, we, as we record, I, we just saw the, the game happen, and uh, now they've got one game to try to get into the, the championship series against Florida. We'll see what happens. Their ace will be pitching on uh, Thursday night, so it's exciting. It's always exciting. I, I wish I was in Omaha. I'm gonna, I may sneak up this weekend if they, if they can pull it off Thursday. Nice. That sounds like a good time. College World Series is a lot of fun. Uh, By the way, did you see, speaking of Omaha, you lived up there for, was it one year or two? Yeah. Do you know a bar named Rocco's? Oh, yeah. I lived right by there. See, do you know their shot deal? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Todd Graves of uh, Raising Canes bought 6,000 shots to break the record. Yeah. Did you see how many people who don't know, this place sells $5 jello shots during the College World Series. And when you buy them, you specify which team you support. Right. And I guess it was a challenge. The LSU fans kind of took it personal that there was a record, first off, and that their record was held by Old Miss. It was like 18,000 shots that Old Miss fans drank. I think it was either last year. Last or year where they won it, yeah. They won. Um, so it was a challenge. You know, it's Quest. And the LSU fans said, well, what you can do in nine days, we can do in four. And when I last looked, um, you know, we're recording Thursday night on this. When I looked at four o'clock Thursday, the last Instagram post I saw, LSU fans had bought 29,000 jello shots. They have lapped the field. Like every other team combined is behind LSU. Now, I know that Todd Graves from, you mentioned it, Todd Graves from, uh, uh, Raising Canes came in. He bought six thousand in one shot. They're they don't even need him to buy that many. They don't, but they did it because that was the moment. It was right before the game on Monday, and so he came in and bought those right before the. They wanted to break the record before their second game, and they did. Just don't ever challenge. The, the, the issue is don't ever challenge LSU fans to drinking contests. You will lose. We are professionals. We know what we're doing. I mean, I was at I was at the uh, LSU Oklahoma playoff game a couple of years ago, it was 2020, where the bar ran out of bourbon and beer. LSU fans drank 
every bottle of bourbon and every beer. Bo, uh, I was talking to Jerry Ramsey earlier, and you know it was announced that Oklahoma is going to play at LSU in 2024. Mm-hmm. I want to make that road trip. Let's go to Baton Rouge, and okay. I, I want to experience Death Valley firsthand for that game. There is nothing like – it's not just the stadium and the game. The stadium and game is awesome, but it's all day long. Like, no one tailgates like the LSU people do. Like, it's, you know, the 6, six or 7 o'clock game. They are tailgating at, like, 8.30 in the morning. And you just walk up and down the street and, and, and around the stadium, and you can get food from anybody. And it's not, you know, you're – hot dogs and hamburgers on the grill, or even like in Kansas city where you like to go to a chief's game and they'll have like good barbecue, man, it'll be like pots of jambalaya and people will have like smoke hole alligators. Um, it's an amazing, an amazing experience. Let's do it for 2024 for Oklahoma and, and LSU. So as we know the date, let's just get it locked in. Let's go. And get it. And we'll get We'll bring Tom. We'll bring P Money. The whole game. Uh, it'll be it'll it'll be an amazing time, and and I, I know some people out there. It'll be fun. Okay. So. Yeah. Let's make it happen. Uh, Bo, uh, we heard from Dalvin Cook this week uh, with him being a free agent. DeAndre Hopkins is a free agent. Both of them haven't signed yet. Uh, Dalvin Cook saying that he and DeAndre Hopkins he'd love to play together. That they've had conversations playing together. Bo, at this point in the ball game. Both guys want to play for contending teams and want to make money. It's not a whole lot of places right now that could offer them the money they want and be a contender at the same time, let alone for one of them, let alone for both of them. It's it's a pipe dream at this point, right? Like it's it's not yeah. really that these both it's not going to be a package deal with these guys. No, it's not. There's just no way. I mean, right now you're limited on what you can do salary cap wise. It's also limited to who's going to be the team that can put both players in the rotations and then can make all this work. Yeah, it's two guys who obviously respect each other a lot are in a similar situation right now, and they're going, hey, it'd be cool if we played together. But yeah, it would always be cool if we played together, but it ain't going to happen. I mean, not, not now. There's, there's no one that's got the need of both of them and would commit to that and what essentially is a one-year deal for each of them as well. The closest thing I could think of is New England. They need a second running back after letting go of James Robinson, but they've already said Ramadre Stevens is going to be their lead back. And obviously they want DeAndre Hopkins, but what is it? They have $15 million in cap space? Like that, It'd be, it'd be very tough for New England to do that. Yeah, I, I, I think and that doesn't sound like Belichick either. No, it doesn't sound like Belichick to do something like that. Now, I do think DeAndre Hopkins is going to end up in New England, but I don't think they can bring both of them in. I just, I just don't see how you can do that. It's not right now. Had it been pre-draft, you know, before your April one cuts, those things could have been done, maybe, but not now. I don't think so. Uh, so you think D Hop's going to New England? Where do you think Dalvin Cook's going? I don't know. I don't have a good feel for that one at all. Um, and I just I think DeAndre Hopkins likes the idea of New England. Seems like he really liked it when he visited. That seems like it's a really good fit. 
Look, I, I think that's going to be a harder fit, mostly because of the position. Running back's a hard position. You have to look. It's Everyone's got their lead dog already at that spot, except for the Vikings, uh, who just released Dalvin Cook. It, I don't know that he's a good fit anywhere right this moment for what he for being the every down back. Um, my thinking is that he, um, my thinking is he'll end up somewhere right when camp starts. Someone's going to have someone come in and get out of shape, or doesn't fit the program as well as they thought, or gets hurt early, and we'll see Dalvin Cook picked up somewhere that in that way. I think that's kind of where we're at with Dalvin Cook. I just don't have a good feel for who that is right now. What about Miami? Uh, they need some help in their running back room. He's a yeah. Miami. We talked about that last. We talked about that last week. Yeah, I mean, it seems like it would be a good fit, but they haven't jumped at him. Right. They, they, it tells me they have a plan already in place. Right. And that he's uh he's maybe the emergency emergency handbrake. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, it makes a lot of sense as far as that goes. Um, it has been an interesting time this offseason for running backs. We talked about that to an extent last week, but Josh Jacobs uh, came out this week that he specifically is willing to play on the franchise tag, but the Raiders, he say, have to get more talent around him. I mean, you can say all that, but – Ziggler and and Josh McDaniels kind of already built the team that they want. And, you know, they're kind of like everybody else here. They're they're setting who they are and what they're going to do here. I I don't see the Raiders doing much of anything. And, in fact, I wouldn't be surprised if they ultimately decide to go ahead and move on from Josh McDaniels, or from Josh McDaniels, from uh, Josh Jacobs and try to get a a second-round pick or something for him while they can. Yeah, I kind of like your thinking there. I. I don't like the idea of it, but I think that it's an, a valid idea and thought. I do think that um, the Raiders haven't shown that they're really in the in the, the business right now of embettering that team. I think they're in a flux of who they are, trying to figure out who and what they are. Josh Jacobs can say what he wants, but just like any other player, unfortunately, you don't have – no running back has the stroke to say, hey, you got to do this. And I don't think you're too far off. It could be a ploy where he says, hey, I want this. They go, well, we got someone willing to give us something for you. We'll see you later. All right. Uh, It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Well, I hadn't thought of it that way, but I also could see where you're thinking there. Yeah. I mean, you look at just around the league right now. We mentioned Dalvin Cook, Josh Jacobs. You got Saquon Barkley and his deal. J.K. Dobbins even this week expressed frustration that he wants a new deal. I'm like, J.K. Dobbins hasn't done shit in the league. I mean, he's been he hasn't been healthy, and when and when he's been available, he's been up and down. I mean, yeah. some of these guys want to get paid and 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 deserve it, but I'm looking at a guy like J.K. Dobbins, like, what have you done? You know, I mean, like it is it is a very interesting time for running backs right now because they want the money and they're not getting it. Yeah, you know, it's one of those where, like, the, the the league itself is giving almost contradictory um, verbiage, you know, or feelings out there. They're not paying any of those running backs, but they also are spending 
more valuable draft capital on running backs this year than they and they have in the last maybe 10 years. So it's like this message is, hey, you veterans, we don't want you. We'll take a rookie and we'll take a young guy because it's cap friendly and we'll make it work. And I think that's what we're seeing. Most teams do a, a running back by committee anyway. So, I mean, there's very few teams that don't. It's tough because there are backs who are really, really great players. But they're never going to get paid like they used to. There's nobody. The, the, the days of, you know, the last grouping, you had Barry Sanders, Emmett Smith, and then you have, you know, Adrian Peterson. We're, you know, Frank Gore was kind of one of those guys for a few years, but we're past that now. We're past that. The only one that's left that's a true bell cow, there's two of them, I guess, Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor. Derrick Henry's on the backside. He's through his prime, or he's at the tippy top of it. So if teams aren't going to pay those two guys, why would they pay Jacobs? Why would they pay J.K. Simmons? J.K. Simmons. You know, J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's funny, though. Um, yeah, you see what I'm saying? Like, it, they're not going to pay those guys who are worth it and have shown they've been talented in the league. You know, if they're not getting the money, then there's not a value there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um Speaking of contract situations, uh, Chris Jones ended his holdout. Uh, he's looking to get paid by the Chiefs. He's still right in the thick of the prime of his career right now, uh, 28 years old to be exact. Uh, we've heard Brett Veach say that they want to pay Chris Jones. They want to have him back. He's been a big part of their Super Bowls. I mean, you could, you could argue that after Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, he's been the most important player of that franchise. The last several years, Chris Jones has. Bo, I, I, I would be shocked if Chris Jones doesn't get a deal with Kansas City here. He wants to be there. They want him there. Probably about what? About a three-year deal, one more last run to get paid and get the most what you can out of Chris Jones. I think that could be something that works for both sides. What say you? I, I think you're right. I think it's just kind of a, you know, a couple-year deal. It's not going to be something long. But, you know, we're seeing the same thing with pass rushers that we're seeing with running backs that – it's not as protracted. It's not in, but they're but we're seeing that teams aren't going to pay the the, the 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 top notch money for those guys like they were five years ago. We're starting to see that a little bit. Teams are going, well, yeah, that's good, but we need that guy instead. We'll go with that. We'll save a little bit of money on the cap. I I, I don't disagree with your with your point about Chris Jones being you know the third most valuable player on that team. I've always said that there's four really important positions on, the, on an NFL team, obviously quarterback, left tackle, if you have a right-handed quarterback, a, a premium pass rusher, and, and a corner. And Chris Jones is about as good as you can get at that, that valuable position. But there's other guys who are, I wouldn't say as good, but are in the same neighborhood with good on a given play. And that's really what that position's come down to. It's not coming – down to how many plays are you making throughout the season? It's being the one who makes the play at this important time in peace, which Chris Jones has done in the Super Bowl a couple times now. So, yeah, I, I think they'll they'll make it work in the end in the end game, but it'll be for a shorter term than maybe Chris Jones would like. 
You know, it was interesting when Mahomes signed that record-breaking contract at the time, a 10-year deal. People were saying, like, wow, that's a lot of money to commit to a quarterback in 10 years, a long time, injuries and all this. Now we've seen quarterbacks are getting a whole lot more money than Patrick Mahomes is making right now. And, you know, he, he still has a long ways to go in this contract. They did a little bit of restructuring to help the cap, but his base salary hasn't changed for what's about to come for the next several years. Bo, uh, I mean, the Chiefs, wasn't Brett Veach doing did an incredible job? Like, he was playing chess. Everybody else playing checkers with that Mahomes contract because they could do stuff like this Chris Jones thing and some of the other things, the flexibility that uh, some people didn't even imagine was possible of, of where the quarterback market is now compared to what Mahomes is making. Well, Mahomes was a good partner in that deal, too. Yes. Wasn't like Mahomes was just um, – they didn't get over on Mahomes. He was a willing participant in how they structured the deal. Very similar to what Tom Brady did for a very long time in New England. You know, he took a little less money. Or in Mahomes' case, it's structured where there's the every alternating year of the contract, his cap number is lower. But then he also knew, I think the Chiefs were ahead of the game a little bit, knowing that, hey, the salary cap is based upon total revenue. It's percentage of revenue. They knew revenue is going to go up. They projected that out and said, okay, this projection shows us what our salary cap is going to be. Given Mahomes' $40 million may look like a lot right now. Three years ago, it did look like a lot. But it's not going to look bad in 10 years. And an NFL contract's never guaranteed unless you sign a fully guaranteed one, which no one's getting. So the injury thing isn't that big a deal. So I, I, to me, it was one of those where I think the, the best thing they did was you had two parties willing to make a deal together. Yeah. And so, and we're, I wonder if we're going to see that with this next crew. This, you know, the we saw Lamar didn't get exactly what he wanted. He got close, but he didn't get exactly what he wanted. But that doesn't look like that contract is set up the same way Mahomes did. Um, it's not as team friendly at times. You know, what is Justin Herbert going to do? What is Joe Burrow going to do? What, you know, uh, what is Jalen Will? Um, uh, Jalen Hurts' contract is a little more team friendly. You know, that was a willing partnership there. So that's the big part is that the quarterbacks know they're going to get paid. They're going to get paid off the field as well. Right. And so they're saying, hey, the success we have on the field leads to all this money off the field. Well, and especially considering, too, Bo, if you are a team that does not have the richest of owners and you can't put that guaranteed money in escrow, yeah. you got to get creative somehow. Yeah, but that wasn't a problem for the Chiefs. They Not had, for the Chiefs, but like teams yeah. like Cincinnati or something. Cincinnati and, and the Chargers are going to have the same issue too. And, and, and you might you might say to Joe Burrow like, "Hey, we can't put you know three hundred million dollars in yeah. escrow right now, but we could give you an eight or ten year contract." Yeah, it's. I wonder how they'll do that because, and that's what you might see with a couple of these guys. It might be where. Justin Herbert or, or Joe Burrow end up signing a 10-year deal at the, the ninth and 10th year, might be $75 million a year. Yeah. You know, the, 
that that has weirdly happened. And it didn't happen a generation ago to Dan Marino, where he got a whole bunch put in his last two years of his contract. And he ended up collecting that money. Um, you know, John Elway was the same way. He got some of that money like that at the end of his contracts as well. But the interesting part to me is that these teams are going to have to get creative. You know, like we were talking about the Bengals on my shows past uh, two weeks ago, and it was how are they going to keep all the weapons? And they're trying to figure out what to do with Chase and Higgins and Mixon and everything they've got going there. And it's like, okay, you're just going to ride them up. So, and, and we're seeing that with Buffalo. Buffalo's just running out of money. I mean, it's, they've got so much for Josh Allen. They've got so much for Von Miller. They've got so much for Stefan Diggs. And, you know, there's guys who are, they want to get paid too. Right. Rodriguez White wants a bunch of money now, you know? So it's like, okay, well, you know, they're not, they're not valuable. But how do you make that work? You got to have willing people involved too. And that was where the Chiefs were really the luckiest was that Mahomes was a willing participant. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a couple of arrests we'll talk about here, then we'll move on to college sports. Um, we'll start with Tyreek Hill. And uh, in his case, um, no charges have been filed at this point in time uh, in regards to him slapping somebody. And uh, we know about his past and some different things here. I don't know how serious of a deal this is, but at the very least, Bo, it's it's a bad look for a guy that's got a track record here. Yeah, he's got a past. And that's the thing is that that's the problem when you, even when you are a model citizen after you've had a past, is that if you do slip up, even if it's not something you would maybe call a big deal. I don't know. I don't, I don't know much about it. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know much. There's not much public right now. So this time of year, especially, we got to understand: is it is this really something to be concerned about, or is it just a little bit of clickbait? I mean, you and I were talking before we came on a little bit about this. It's like it's it's June, it's late June. Training camp isn't here yet. You know, people are trying to find content, and that's you know a juicy piece of content. Tyreek Hill, you know, has an, an incident at a marina in Miami. You know, it, it's at least something that gets clicks. So I don't know the severity of it, but it doesn't help him that he has a past. All right. That's why it's important to be even extra more and more extra careful if you got a past. I mean, yeah, you look at Jack Jones, uh, the corner from the Patriots, and, you know, his thing is very serious, bringing a firearm that he did not have registered uh, into carry-on luggage, which is highly illegal. Um, you got charged with nine different counts, um, and it's got a court date coming up in August, but here's a guy too, that was arrested for burglary of a Panda Express after he left USC, get, you know, got suspended from Arizona state with some academic issues and such here. I mean, uh, these, these, these things don't go away. These track records stay with you here. Yeah, it does. And then. It sucks as it's this time of year. And so every little thing is going to the microscope now, too. If this had happened in a month, if it had happened around the draft, or if it had happened in a month, we wouldn't have heard much about it. Well, what I hate for the Jack Jones thing, too, Bo, is this is a kid that he's entered in his second year in the league, was a fourth-round pick, and just tore it up 
Like he had, what was it, four interceptions, had a touchdown. I mean, he shocked some people, was incredible value for the fourth round. There's a lot of high hopes and expectations. And now has this come up here? Like, this is a guy we know he's a talented football player. He's been overlooked a bit. This is this should be his moment to be capitalizing on his career. Yeah. I mean, he just he, he, you know, I don't know. I haven't seen anything more than what the, you know, the ESPN article said, which was, you know, it seems like he was unaware of what was in his bag. Well, I mean, go to the airport, you should know it's in your damn bag. It's the first thing they ask. Um, you know, so I don't know what was up there, but I yeah, you should be you should be even more careful right now. I mean, right now we've been talking about how we talked in the last few weeks about the gambling thing and how now look what the NFL is doing. The NFL is putting in place programs to make sure they go to camps and are saying, here's the rules. Here's what you can do. Here's what you can't do. You know, this is the time where you need to be a little more careful if you're one of these young players and, and take on as much of the education as you can get on what to and to not do. Because like you were saying, the window for what you're going to make is very small for 90% of these guys. Right. And if you're going to cash in, you know, cash in, but you got to play the game. That's what sucks. That's true. It is what it is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, On the college side here, uh, one note this week that I want to get to. um, San Diego State, in case people don't know, last week, at the end of the week, sent a letter to the Mountain West saying that they intended to leave the conference uh, next year, and they were giving their formal one-year notice that they needed to give. And the one-year notice uh, was due June 30th to have a payout of $18 million as opposed to $35 million if they were to give it any time after that. But they were saying, like, hey, this is not an official notice yet, but we intend to do this and we want an extension. And so they could have to pay the 18 as opposed to 35. Since then, the mountain West has said, no, we're not giving you an extension or anything. They don't have an offer from the PAC 12 or the big 12 signs. Indications sound like it's the PAC 12. They're leaning towards going towards and that the PAC 12 TV deal is getting closer. We are so being told anyway, Bo, um, no matter how you shape this, uh, I think there's a bad look for San Diego State, bad look especially for the Pac-12. Um, San Diego State, tough spot. I mean, but really the Pac-12 put them in this spot by not having their official invite and not having their, their TV deal in place. San Diego State's trying to do what they can to cover their own ass so they could, you know, leave and pay a little, as a little of an exit here. I mean, it's it's just a bad situation all around. Yeah, I think it's a worse look for the Pac-12 than anybody else. Yeah. It's pretty clear that the Pac-12 is going to grab, try to grab San Diego State as one of the replacement teams for USC and UCLA. But if they're going to, they need to, as my father would say, shit or get off the pot. And that's the problem right now. And so now it looks like San Diego State, almost looks like San Diego State is trying to negotiate in bad faith. When what it really is, is they're just saying, hey, we know something's coming, but we just try to play this business thing the right way. So, yeah, I I don't have a great answer other than I think the worst look is the Pac-12. Yeah. 
Um, and we've heard the Pac-12 rumblings about SMU hyping up again here. Um, you know, I don't know what the end game is, what the Pac-12 looks like. If they bring in San Diego State and SMU, is everybody going to sing Kumbaya and be back to 12 teams again? Or who are you going to lose next? Is Colorado or, or, or those schools – essentially replacements for Colorado and Arizona here. Like is the Pac-12. Yeah. Or that, that's what I'm saying. Like is, is those two invites are those to replace what you've already lost or are, the, are you expecting to invite them to replace guys you're about to lose? I don't know that anyone knows the answer to that question. Do you think the Pac-12 knows? <laughs> no. Because no. I don't think they know until they have a TV deal. And the TV people don't know. But they're going to spend until they know what the what the Pac-12 is doing. The Pac-12 has muddled this whole thing up in a, such a bad way. I, I don't think that anyone really has a solid clue on what the outcome is going to be. I don't think, Bo, the Pac-12 has done one thing right since USC and UCLA announced they were leaving last year. I tend to agree with you on that. Yeah, yeah. I don't. It, I will listen. I'll listen to someone who thinks the opposite. Uh, I'd love to hear someone with the opposite say, "No, they've done this right." Because I haven't seen anything they've done that would be a positive step of momentum. I was telling Tom this earlier, and, and I'd be curious what you think. You know, part of the reason Oklahoma and Texas left the Big Twelve for the SEC wasn't just because the TV money was so much better than the SEC and the Big Twelve. Um, but also the leadership structure at the time that OU and Texas were leaving, Bob Bowlesby and Big 12 leadership was so incompetent and done a terrible job um, that I think they wanted to get out of that bad situation. Now, things obviously changed. Brett Yormark's leading the charge and has done a much better job than what Bowlesby did. But you look at the Pac-12 situation here, Kliakoff is – been horrible and, and doesn't know what he's doing and made mistakes at every turn. The TV deal is going to be significantly less than what the Big 12 is offering. To me, if you're Colorado and Arizona, not only do you get more money in the Big 12, more TV exposure, but like, don't you have to th- consider for yourself, like, we can't be around stupid people anymore? Yeah, you know, it's like the old saying of, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. And I think that's what some of these teams need to be thinking about the Pac-12. Show me your friends. I'll show you your future right now. Because if they're does anyone just, have any faith in faith in George Kliakoff right now? I, I don't know. I don't know how you can have any. Um, I don't know how you get anything. Bo, uh, we're out of time. What's uh, on the podcast this week? Um, we are still working on a lot of that. We're going to have a couple different segments, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit. Of, it won't be much football talk this week. It'll be mostly, you know, current stuff, wrap up the NBA. We've already done that. So uh, we'll talk a little baseball. We'll talk uh, a little bit of college world series, especially if I go. Might go. Still thinking about it. Maybe I'll record something while we go to Omaha. Uh, you know, we got to go go Tigers. You know, that's the thing. Everybody root for the root for my LSU Tigers. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. We're going to keep we're, – we're kind of right now – we're going to have, a, we're gonna have a, an extra guest this week. Uh, my man Nolan Henderson is going to come in. So we're going to talk a little bit about coaching. I know we're going to do that. He and I are talking about coaching. So that'll be fun and um, kind of see where things just kind of progress from there. 
Awesome. Looking forward to it, Bo. Uh, we'll be calling Baton Rouge in 2024. With, there you uh, go. And in the meantime, go to OAGKS.com. In the main, yes. OAGKS.com. OAGKS.com, OAGKS.com for more. He's Coach Bo. He's going to stick around. Uh, draft season continues next here at the Jones Sport. It is the summer of Jones, which means it is draft season here on the Jones Report. Each and every week, yours truly, Coach Bo and Thomas Bridges draft something different. And sometimes it's sports related, sometimes it's not. But we make the most and try to put together the best teams we possibly can. Last week's draft, we did the dinner party draft where we got to invite anybody to dinner, living or dead, and I, I would say that the results were pretty good from all three of us with uh, who we invited to dinner last week. Uh, now this week, we're going to select the best nicknames of all time. Tom, I'll, I'll start with you before we dive into the draft itself. This one, as I was researching this, it's there's there's all sorts of nicknames you could come up with, but I think we do associate nicknames for the most part with sports people it's the the best nicknames are usually sports related people oh i mean yeah i mean it's it has to be you know you know and especially just really across all sports there are so many names that you come across and a lot of names are very hard to pronounce which is very i mean there's one and no, i'm not going to give it away there's one i can think of right now that's a really good one that i might pick but some of the names are very hard to pronounce, so it's easier to use the nickname. Um, that's not always the case. Sometimes the nickname is from a a moment that has happened. Sometimes the nickname is kind of come up with because the name's hard to pronounce. So um, a lot of great ones. You're uh, you're absolutely right. The best ones are from sports. I'm going sports forward in this draft. I might, I might get out and and do a music one, or I might get out and and choose one away from sports this today. Okay, Bo. Uh, before we get started here, uh, what's your kind of initial thoughts going into this draft, the topic, and uh, your kind of strategy of sorts here? So I kind of, I kind of um, feel the same way Tom does that. There's about sports, t- t- different kind of nicknames. You have the ones that are earned, like, in the moment. Sometimes just a play on your name. Sometimes it's something that's gone off, like, a very long time or, like, a, a you know, career. So I find it interesting. I do think that most of the best nicknames are sports-related or it's, like, an inside joke kind of thing. And so I'm avoiding the inside joke ones because I got a couple of good ones, but I'm not going to do that to my friends. Um, instead, I'm just going to stick with sports in this for the most part and uh, kind of go from there. All right. So uh, the draft order this week, I'll go first. Uh, Bo's going to go second. Tom will go third and then reverse order with the uh, snake draft as we continue from that point going forward. First pick of the draft uh, for me, uh, this is the the best nickname. I'm glad I got the first pick. I think his this name would go off the board pretty quick. It's such a good nickname that it ended up getting picked as a nickname for a school afterwards. I'm going with Mean Joe Green. Uh, we'd love the Coca-Cola commercial, one of the best NFL players of all time. 
it, it just rolls off the tongue so well. They named North Texas after him. He's an alum there. Mean Joe Green, first pick of the draft, uh, is uh, my selection there. Bo, you're on the clock. What, what, what do you got here? That was a pretty good pick, but I'm going to pick one. It's also an old, a little bit old school, and I think this one was just when you you hear this nickname, you know who it is immediately, and that's the logo, Jerry West. Jerry West. And, and I'll say with our two picks there, Bo, uh, both both nicknames are come with a lot of cachet. Joe Green yeah. getting a whole school named after him. Jerry West, the NBA logo. Yeah. yeah, a lot of pride so far, these first two picks. Yeah. Tom, you're going back to back here. Okay, so I'm going to keep it sports too, obviously, for this. Um, me and Joe Green's pretty good. Jerry West, also solid. I'm going to have to go uh, with the late great Kobe Bryant. I'm going the Black Mamba. Okay. Black Mamba, that's, that's a classic one. You can't. You can't go wrong with Kobe. Uh, you know, Black Mamba, Mamba. Uh, it's a mentality. You know what I mean? Yes. What's gonna say your other pick? It's a mentality stolen from a Quentin Tarantino movie. <laughs> hey, don't you disrespect. No, you can disrespect him. He's a Laker. Um, if he was a Spur, I'd drive to Lawrence. Um, but <laughs> um, another basketball pick, and this is, you know, if if you grew up in the in the early two thousands and just the golden age of NBA, um, you're gonna know who Jason Williams is. And one of the best nicknames of all time is White Chocolate. All right, so uh, Tom is uh, playing the race card here. Uh... <laughs> uh, white and black, black Mamba, White Chocolate, <laughs> so like a Hershey's bar. <laughs> Bo, who do you got next? Tom's picks are like the Seinfeld joke about the black and white cookie. <laughs> um, so when you do nicknames, you, you got to have a nickname where as soon as you hear the nickname, you know who that is. So like I joked about Kobe Bryant. Well, that's stolen from the Kill Bill movies. Um, if you're my age, you know that. Um, but there's one that like when you hear this nickname, you know who it is immediately. And that is the great one, Wayne Gretzky. Yeah. That was on my board, too. Uh, good pick. The great one, Wayne Gretzky. Can't go wrong there. Along the same premise of you know this name, you know who exactly you're talking about, and he has created an incredible brand behind it for over 20 years. I'm going primetime. Deion Sanders with my next pick. Uh, to me, that one, it's too easy. I, I got to go primetime with, with that one there. Next one, staying in the sports world as well. Um, I'm glad that he goes by this instead of his real name uh, because it just rolls off the tongue so much better and and it just feels right. Magic Johnson. I'm going with Magic uh, for my third pick. So I got Mean yep. Joe Green, Primetime, and Magic, my first three picks. You don't oh, like Earl? You're back on the clock here. <laughs> what did you say, Tyler? You're back on the clock. Okay, Tom, what did you say? Tom was jumping in with something. You don't like, you don't like Ernest? <laughs> Irving. Irving. No, sorry, Irving. Irving. That's what I Irving meant. Johnson? No. He would not, his career would not have gone as well if his name if it went by Irving instead of Magic. 
He could go by another name too, but we won't say it. <laughs> All right. So Magic Johnson was one of my it was definitely high up on my list. All right. So I'm gonna go sports adjacent in a way on this one. Okay. And that I'm gonna go wrestling for this one. There's only one person again. You hear this, you know who it is. Who was the eighth wonder of the world? Andre the Giant. Yeah. Andre the Giant. That's a good pick. Okay. So you got the logo, the great one, and Andre the Giant as your th first three. Tom, uh, back on the clock, back to back. All right. There's a lot of names that I could go here. I think I'm going to have to stay in the sports world, but I think, you know, some of the best names of all time have come from boxing. And, uh, you hear this name a lot too in like some rap songs, and I gotta go with it. Smoking Joe Frazier, Smoking Joe. Um, that's you know, there's a lot of there's some other great boxing names too, but Smoking Joe Frazier, that's a solid one. I like that. Uh, next pick for you. I'm gonna I'm gonna diversify here like I always do, and I'm gonna I'm gonna shout out last week, and I'm gonna go music. And I'm going to go with Old Blue Eyes. And I don't think, well, if I've mentioned it now, do you know who Old Blue Eyes Tyler Jones is? Uh, no, tell me who Old Blue Eyes is. I know who that is. Uh, who is it, Bo? It's Sinatra. Frank Sinatra, Old Blue I'll be Eyes. I did not know that was Sinatra's nickname. I'll be honest. Yeah. That's, that's oh, not yeah. Only the OGs know. It's all right. Try <laughs> So, so Tom's got the Black Mamba, White Chocolate, Smoking Joe Frazier, and Blue Eyes for his uh, four picks so old, far. Old Blue Eyes. Old Blue old Eyes. Uh, Bo, next pick. All right. So Smoking Joe Frazier was going to be my next pick. I'll be honest. Oh, got him. Uh, but there's one that's a little more current than everybody we've talked about. Well, Kobe's probably the most current so far. And this one just makes sense because, again, you hear the nickname, you know who it is. Big Poppy, mm. David Ortiz. Yeah, that's a good choice. I like that. All right, um, let's see here. This one, this is another guy that I think his career would have been different had he gone by his real name. But he created a, he went by this name at a young age, and he kind of put himself out there by going by this name. Because he put a target on his back, but he lived up to it in more ways than one, both on the field and off. Tiger Woods is my next pick. Um, Tiger Woods, incredible branding. It doesn't get better than that. And, and I, I was glad that he went by Tiger instead of his uh, birth name, Eldrick. Just wanted to have flown as well. Uh, Tiger's my next pick there. My, my next pick after Tiger Woods... Uh, I'm going to go, I did one NASCAR pick last week. I'll do another. Oh, I'll stay. He's going here. I'll stay within the NASCAR fam, within this same family. I'm going with the intimidator, Dale Earnhardt. I mean, I he was going. raise hell, praise Dale. The intimidator that you talk about standing power. Uh, it still sells to this day. There's still a ton of intimidator merchandise and, a brand that will never be duplicated, never be replicated. I'll go with the Intimidator, Dale Earnhardt here. Bo, you're back on the clock. 
All right, this is my one non-sports one. Um, I really like the Sinatra one that was good, but if you're thinking about a musician and a nickname and someone from New Jersey, there's no one bigger than the boss, Bruce Springsteen. Oh, I was thinking you're talking about Rick Ross. Okay. Uh, Tom, your next pick. Your final two picks here. Okay, so we're going to start. So I did a boxing, and I did music, and I did some I did some NBA. We're going to go wrestling, though. We're going the styling, profiling, limousine riding, jet flying, kiss stealing, wheeling, dealing, son of a gun. We're going the nature boy, Ric Flair, bitches. Two claps and a Ric Flair. <laughs> a close personal friend of the O'Connor family. Yeah. Really? What? You know, we know Nate. Okay. Uh, a close personal friend. Tom, your uh, your final selection. Oh, final selection. He said. So it's got to be a good one. And oh. You know, I didn't I didn't have one of these at my dinner party last week, unfortunately. I should have, but I didn't. Um the best power forward of all time, bar none. There's no arguments. I won't have it. I'm going the big fundamental. Going Tim Duncan. The big fundamental, I always like that nickname because it was true like on point, yeah. you know, it perfectly described Tim Duncan. Uh, big fundamental there for your final pick. Bo, your last pick. Okay, I, I'm torn. I've got three picks that I'm thinking of here. So, either a baseball player, a basketball player, or a wrestler. I can't figure out which one I'm going to go with. So, since, since Tom went with the, or the spur. I got to put some L.I. shoe flavor in the mind, and so I'll take Pistol Pete Maravich. Hell Pistol. yeah. He was on my board. Uh, I'm, Pistol Pete is an incredible nickname uh, and great pick. like that there. My final pick, Bo, um, this pick here, not a sports pick for me. Um, I'm going to dive into the world of politics. A, a name that fits in more ways than one. A perfect nickname rolls off the tongue. Uh, no pun intended for this one. Slick Willie, President Bill Clinton. Slick Willie, oh, uh, <laughs> incredible nickname. Uh, and and so fitting. Slick Willie, my final pick. So there you have it. Uh, let's recap the uh, draft here. Team Jones includes Mean Joe Green, Primetime Deion Sanders, Magic Johnson, Tiger Woods. The Intimidator, Dale Earnhardt, and Slick Willie, President Bill Clinton. Uh, Bo's team includes the logo, Jerry West. The Great One, uh, Wayne Gretzky. Andre the Giant, Big Poppy, David Ortiz. The Boss and Pistol Pete. Tom's team includes the Black Mamba, White Chocolate, Smoking Joe Frazier, Old Blue Eyes, The Nature Boy, and The Big Fundamental. Bo, uh, how do you think we did on this draft? I think we did okay overall. There's a couple of them that I, I wonder how we didn't get. I mean, this just it wasn't deep, but Broadway Joe Namath. 
Yeah. Was yeah. a good one. I thought it would be up there. Johnny uh, Football. Yeah, Almost I don't, I don't like Johnny Football as much as Broadway. Broadway Joe conjures up like an iconic image. Um, Joe, Joe Jackson. Uh, yeah. Well, here's one that's like an old school baseball. What about Fool Papa Bell? Yeah. And then the uh, those are two of the ones I was thinking of. And then one more wrestling one was one of my favorites as a kid, The American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. Yeah. I like that one. And then there was two that like aren't as famous, but like they're perfect. You guys know who Ironhead was? Uh, uh, remind me. Ironhead was Craig Hayward, the running back from the 80s and 90s. Okay. He played mostly in the Saints and the Falcons. He was just a big fucking fullback, and they called him Ironhead. He was like he was from Pennsylvania, so like it was the you know, steel mills and iron and um, Google it. It's oh. a, and then another one of again, it's kind of a night early nineties, late eighties thing. You remember Vinnie Johnson played for the for the Pistons on those those bad boys teams? Man, that'd have been a good one. Vinnie Johnson was the microwave because he came off the bench and warmed things up. Okay. So those are two more I was thinking about. You're going to. Okay. Oh. What do we got, Tom? Tom's got a couple more. Oh, yeah, man. And I, I feel stupid for not knowing this one. This, If I could trade one of my picks, I'd probably trade the big final middle for this. It's one of the best nicknames of all time, really. And one guy I grew up watching and, and idolized because he was so good. And he, he, he was kind of really the one of the people that just defied – Define kick returns. When you think of the OG kick returner, who do you think of? Billy White Shoes Johnson. Well, okay. You okay, you're a little older. Jones, who do you think of when you think of all time kick returners? The OG. I think like Devin Hester. Devin no, Hester. you're a little too young. Dante I'm, fucking Hall. The human joystick. Yeah. It's not bad. That that's a great one. The human joystick? Oh my god. God, I mean, you know, there's been a couple old girlfriends that used to call me that. <laughs> I don't buy that for a second. Uh, Who about the crime dog, Fred McGriff? <laughs> another one I had on my list, uh, Elvis Presley, the king of rock and roll. Oh, the king, yeah, that would have been good. Dang, yeah. See, there's a lot of – there's. There's quite a good ones. Yeah. Um, the other one I came up with was Butterbean, the boxer. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to – I didn't hear a lot of football ones. You got like Dick Night Train Lane. You could have done Megatron. Crazy Legs, uh, Elroy Hirsch, if you're really yeah. old school. When I was – Megatron's a good started, one. When I was talking about names that are hard to pronounce, like Giannis Antetokounmpo, you could say the yeah. Greek freak. Yeah. 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 Uh, Revis Island is a great one. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, no one said the fridge, the refrigerator. Yeah. Nobody you said know, Coach sweetness. Ball. Well, the Nobody said Coach Ball. Oh, you know, I was thinking of when he said something about long names and, and hard to pronounce names earlier was Coach Krzyzewski. Coach K. Coach K, yeah. Mm, oh, that's a goal. Wow. Yeah, that's a that's a great undrafted free agent pick. Because no one calls him Mike Krzyzewski. No. You know what's crazy? It took me 10 years to learn that name. I just realized this. 
Machine Gun Kelly is taken from Jim. Machine Gun Kelly. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, you know where that name White. comes from. So Jim Kelly, the quarterback, was called Machine Gun Kelly. But Machine Gun Kelly was a mobster in the 20s. Right. Yeah. Um, no one said Reggie White, the Minister of Minister Defense. Defense. That's a hard one. Tom, before we uh, kind of wrap this up here, uh, what what teams did you like uh, between me and, and Bo here? I really liked your Bill Clinton pick, Jones, because <laughs> I thought you were going to stick all sports. But uh, we've we've known you to go politician in the past, uh, specifically last year, if you could call him a politician. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Bo, if I really like your... had a nickname, Jonesy would have been all over it. Oh, another Vlad, one, right? Yeah. Uh, Beast Mode, Marshawn Lynch. That would have been a good one, too. I didn't think of that one. Um, Bo, I got. I almost I almost did pick the Big Poppy. Um, big, I mean, that's – Big Poppy is pretty iconic, and not only for think, the name, but the voice. I think uh, A-Rod's a good nickname, too. See, I feel like you got Aaron Rodgers and then – And Alex Rodriguez. Yeah. 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 I don't like, like, I didn't pick any of them that are a play on someone's name. Like, I'm Bo because my initials are B O because it's Brian O'Connor. You know, yeah. it's, you know, like, I, that's not a good nickname. That's just a simple nickname. Right. You know, so here's another one Bill Parcells. I didn't know this. They call it tuna. tuna. Yeah. Big, big, tuna. big tuna. He was young. Yeah. Practical Joker saying, who do you think I am, Tommy the Tuna? I never knew that. I'm looking through, like, classic nicknames right now. Oh, Tyree Kill, Cheetah? Yeah. he's But now that's before he was even at OSU, he was Cheetah. Here you go, Jones, your favorite. You could have picked Anthony McFarlane. Booger, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Booger. <laughs> that's as country-ass Louisiana as you can get right there. And, and I'm surprised <laughs> Bo didn't pick Matty Ice. Oh, I saw that. Was, <laughs> there was no chance I'm picking anything from yeah, Matt. Bo, Bo was going to take on his team, Matty Ice and Lion Ted. Oh God! <laughs> or uh, you remember? Um, no one, everyone always forgets the kickers. Remember freaking Rob Baronis? R.I.P. Rob Baronis. Yeah, Tennessee Titans kicker. What was he called? When he called Legatron? I don't remember that. Um, and you had a Greg Zerline was Greg the leg, Greg the leg. Yeah. Rob uh, Barone's nickname. Cause I think Rob Baronis is on even a direct TV commercial. And then, uh, Matt Ariza, uh, is known as the punt God. Oh, I thought he was the rape God. Hey, <laughs> yikes. <laughs> um, that was a fun draft. We'll, uh, we'll be back next week to do a, uh, another draft. Uh, here on the uh, show this week as uh, we continue with uh, our draft series all summer long here at Part of the Summer of Jones. Final segment before we go to Tom Fulry's story of the week. Thomas Bridges standing by. Tom, uh, where shall we head to this time? Jones, we're going to the bookie. We are going to the bookie, baby. Time to place your bets. Place your bets, ladies and gentlemen. Um... I guess it's not in Vegas yet. 
from as long as this article article is correct, because this says offshore. Um, but very interesting here, Jones. New development. We don't have sports betting yet here in Oklahoma. Thanks, Kevin Stitt. Um, unfortunately, so I can't just willy nilly place bets. It's probably best that I don't. But you know, you see people with gambling problems. A lot of sports betters like betting on Chinese basketball league at three in the morning. Well, Jones, here's another one, and I don't know how you scout this. I don't. I don't know what. I don't know how this talent scouted. I don't know how the game scouted. I don't know how the odds are. How do you do the odds here on this? Which I'm about to tell you. Who who's the odds maker for this? Um, because this article reads offshore sports betting operator to offer odds for the Special Olympics World Games. Who's doing that? Who's who's making the odds for this? Right? I haven't even got to the article yet. Who is in charge of scouting the? I almost say the game, but the event out. How do you know? Do you got is do some of these? Uh, Olympians, do they have some? They got some some tape. You got tape on some of these players, right? You know where are you getting your information from? Where are the stats at? What database full of statistics on Special Olympians? Is there a database for that? Right. Is it what Special Olympics is it? Is it like that guy in the wheelchair that like shot his wife a hundred times in the bathroom? What was it? Uh, Zatorius. I don't know about that one, but you don't continue. remember that? No, please continue. Yes. The wheelchair guy that shot his wife? No, not the blade runner. Um <laughs> hold on, because now it's gonna bother me. There was a guy, and I guess, you know, if if you know, in terms of Special Olympics, you could be let's say, you know, you could be a veteran, tip top shape, get a leg blown off. Um then you could go and compete in the Special Olympics. Or if you had a leg amputated, or let's say some of those Boston Marathon runners that were unfortunate victims of the Boston bombing get a leg blown off, well, now you got, you know, instead of two legs down there, you got two power poles down there, and you're running a five-minute mile. Um, Or you could end up like... The, uh, like I said, the wheelchair guy, um, and that end up, I'm pretty sure, killing his wife. Well, the wheelchair would be the Paralympics. This is oh, oh, so this is this is more like mental disability, special Olympics. Yes, yes. Oh, see, I was unaware. See, I was thinking that it included all of that. So, no. even even more interesting. Even maybe twice as interesting as I thought of prior. Because I was thinking maybe you could be a veteran and lose a leg and be a special Olympian. But I guess you'd be a Paralympian at that point. Right. That's very interesting. Did not know that. See, there's my ignorance, Sean. But anyway, on to the article now. Now that I know there's no uh, uh, Purple Heart veterans running races in this, um, way more interesting here. Despite the opportunity to expand the event's reach, offering odds for games could spark backlash. Yeah, no shit. There are currently no legal sports betting operators offering wagering on the 2023 Special Olympics World Games in the U.S. 
However, an offshore sports betting opera said, uh, sure, why not? We'll offer odds for competition, making it the first time in the event's 55-year history that fans can wager on its events. This year's Special Olympics World Games, which will be held from June 17th to 25th, so they're almost over at this point. Um, man, Jones, did you get any bets in? I, I did not. You had to be quite the degenerate to bet on the Special Olympics. We still have time. Um, <laughs> what? Hold, let me see. We could, uh, we could. I don't know what offshore betting company. Oh, uh, Bet AG Online. No free ad. Bet, uh, yeah, Bet AG Online. Put in code <laughs> Tyler Jones for a hundred percent match on your first deposit. You know, <laughs> they didn't call. They didn't call up Chat Sports and offer anything. Uh, we did not hear from Bet AG online. No, no ad reads on chat. No ad, le- no ad reads for betting on the Special Olympics. That did not happen. <laughs> I'd love to hear Chase Senior read an ad for that. That would be, you know, matter of fact, uh, give me Theo Vaughn doing an ad read. I am there's a special place in hell for me, and I can't wait to get there. But um, Theo Vaughn reading an ad read for Special Olympics bets would be prime time um anyway they're going on right now i have never i've not seen any televised ads for it i didn't know this was even going on until you sent me this and was like oh you can bet on the special olympics i didn't even know this was going on over seven thousand athletes from roughly 190 countries giving participants ample reach as fans and betters tune in just like any other sport we've created special olympics odds behind weeks and weeks of, or we've created special olympics odds behind weeks and weeks of research this is what i said before i even read it what kind of research who's doing it where are you getting tape you know are you just calling the parents and like hey uh you know how many medals you know like where where's this where's this where are the stats at for this there's no database you can go research this is there i've never seen anything like this um So they said, these are incredibly skilled athletes competing on an even playing field, and our odds makers will give these world games the same level of attention and respect as the Super Bowl. Now, hey, calm down. (laughs) I I respect it, and I guarantee that I would say probably 90% of the people competing in this probably beat me in whatever it is, 100%. Isn't this basically the premise of the movie The Ringer? I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I get that. But I guarantee you, whatever, I guarantee the, the person who places last in shot put could out shot put me 100%. Um, and I don't know if there is the long jump. I'm sure there is. I definitely couldn't jump that far. And I definitely couldn't. Um, Mig, help me out here. Stick in the ground. Jump over the pole. Uh, uh, pole vault. Uh, pole vault. Pole vault, yeah. Def- I definitely could get my fat ass over the pole. There's no way. So there was uh, a guy I knew in college. He was a special Olympian champion uh, power lifter. And from what his dad told me, the thing that made him like so good at it was with the disability he had, Tom, he could not feel pain. And so with him not being able to feel pain, 
he could just lift whatever he wanted and became like just this jacked up guy uh, and became a champion because he couldn't feel any pain. I've heard about that disease that you can't feel any pain and it's like super, super dangerous. And like the people that have it end up dying from the cause. Don't quote me on that, but I did see some articles where there are people like don't feel pain and it's so dangerous because things that normal people feel pain from go undiagnosed. That's pretty dangerous. I get it from a competition level. And if you can just wreck your body to make some quick cash, 100%, you know, take a free shot, punch me right in the mouth for $1,000 right now. If I can't feel any pain, sure, why not? Um, you know, but, you know, you could do some wild stuff for a lot of money if you couldn't feel the pain. What's that called? We got our yeah, I bet you would. We got our doctor friend in the house right now with me in the show. Friend of the show, Miguel Atkinson here with us. Nurse. Nurse uh, Mig. Nurse Mig of the show. The the show's official uh, nurse practitioner here. We haven't heard from him since COVID, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we haven't heard from him since COVID. He's back. He's still alive. He didn't get COVID. He made it through. <laughs> in time COVID. That's good. Yeah, he's 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 good. And uh, speaking of Mig, what do you know that disease where you can't feel pain? heard of it too but part of why it's also dangerous is because uh part of what protects us like pulling away from a hot stove yeah and all that reflexive stuff is gone because your body doesn't register it that's a good point yeah i didn't even think of that like hot you know hot things you put your hand on the stove and go oh oh it's hot you know so top two things on this okay this is uh I'm going to put my journalist hat on for a second, and I'm going to give you two perspectives here uh, okay. on this whole betting on the Special Olympics thing. The The argument against, and there's a lot of arguments against, but I think this is the most convincing of why it's a bad thing. Yeah. Um, there is, you can be as young as eight years old and be in the Special Olympics. We don't need to be betting on eight-year-old kids. Sorry. That's kind of in the discussion that, that should be it right there. Like, no. <laughs> yeah, if you bet on an eight-year-old, we like that's like a that's like a like a to catch a predator, but just to catch a gambling addict. If you bet on an eight-year-old, you're definitely going to right. rehab. That that should be the only argument I need for that. Now, here's the <laughs> argument make on the other side, though. Okay, um, this is what I would present as the best case uh, for the other side. You talk about like wanting equality and equal opportunity and to create a yeah, as big of a stage and a platform as possible. Sports be betting and gambling certainly brings equality and make things uh, more to that extent. Like that, that would be the, the argument I make. If you want it to be equal, then allow people to bet on. I mean, that is true. The, the article, here's so here's what we can bet on in the coming days, Jones. It ends June 25th. So, you know, at the time we're recording, it's June 21st. It is in Germany. The time we're recording this, it is like, um, it's about 4 a.m. over in Germany right now. Um, but by the time we wake up, we could catch one of these events being basketball, cycling. And it's on ESPN, by the way. Okay, so yeah, I'm time to make history i'm putting a bet down not really but powerlifting, soccer swimming and track and field um says potential for backlash special olympics world games which haven't been held since 2018 
are poised to draw the attention of sports fans with broadcasts like you mentioned on ESPN and its family of networks. The new set of eyes could benefit the offshore operator as people are 76% more likely to watch a sporting event if they can bet on it, according to data provided by the gaming company. That's a great trivia question, and that's very interesting. I never even thought of, you know, if you can bet on it, who's more likely to watch. I'm not a sports better myself because it's not legal in Oklahoma. If it was, though, here's the funny thing. Here's where you can tell if you have a gambling problem or not, specifically on sports betting. I'm not betting on shit that I don't know much shit about. Like, I think I would have the upper hand in betting on college football or NFL because I follow it so closely. You know, I feel like I know enough about it that I could make an informed, somewhat of an informed bet. So you're saying the only reason why you're not betting on the Special Olympics is because you don't know enough about it. I'm not invested in it. I mean, you know, you know, like I'm also not betting on bowling. I'm also not betting on archery, you know, like until you could tell me like the top five women's. Well, let's uh, I could probably rattle off 10. WNBA players I'm not betting on it I don't think I could I think I could probably rattle off 10 WNBA players they say though I'll I'll tell you this uh, they say the easiest way to win in sports betting is to find something obscure and really know about it and essentially know more about it than the odds makers like find a small division one college basketball team or no offense, like a women's sports team of some sorts that even the odds makers aren't doing that much research on. Get to know that team and Ooh. like make bank. And so you're you're essentially not banking on your knowledge, but you're ba- banking on the ignorant sports people who are making the lines. Well, you're both. Saying- you still have to do your homework, and you're, you're following that team. Get to know them, but yes, both ways. You're saying the odds makers don't know much about it, or it's not so much invested in, or there's not enough people betting on that to make it worth their time to, to invest time into making the, the line. Right. Right. That's it. That, that, you know, that's, there you go. Pro tip from your friend, Tyler Jones, sports yes. betting better. Tyler Jones here. We're, we're um, not, we're not recommending uh, betting on the sports uh, on uh, the special Olympics. You would be a so, degenerate if you do so. Um, but you know, well, uh, here, here's where this could get real interesting. Okay. Offshore betting, not a fan of. That's going. Who knows where that money's going? That's why it would be great in Oklahoma if they could go ahead and get this thing done, and all this money can go to the tribes. Now, when they brought Jones here, let me show my age real quick. I remember being the son of a, a gambler um, that, that loves a good slot machine and a good red spin. Um, I can remember. Living in Bartlesville, growing up in Bartlesville, uh, 25, 30 minutes from the state line of Kansas, I can remember my mom being like, okay, we're going to take a little quick family trip up to Caney, Kansas. We're going to get an ice cream at this dope spot, and it's still really good ice cream, like some of the best soft serve you'll ever get in the nation. Their machine's never broken. Um, Machine's never broken. Great ice cream. McDonald's. No, yeah, no, it's it's a local place to Caney. It's a solid, it's, it's great. We would go up there as a family trip and say, oh, yeah, let's go to Caney and get ice cream. Well, at the same time, that's when I was introduced to gambling. 
because you couldn't buy scratch off or lotto tickets in Oklahoma. So we would go up to Caney and get, you know, dollar scratchers, $5 scratchers in Caney and sit in the parking lot, eat our ice cream and scratch off our scratch off tickets. Um, and then obviously years later, Oklahoma has that. And the idea or the, you know, when that was put on for, for a uh, public vote, um, you know, when that was a state question and we got the vote on, can you gamble um, like that? Everyone was like, yeah, for sure. Let's do it. Um, but prior to that, that's where I had it. My mom used to go to Kansas City um, and go gamble at the Kansas City Star. Um, and then they went to Vegas a couple times and stuff like that. But um, here's where it could get real cool. Oklahoma, when they... Like I said, their state question was back. The justification for that was like, hey, we know we're in the Bible Belt and gambling is a sin. And don't, you know, put your money in the offering plate, not on the book. Don't give it to the bookie. Give it to the church. Yada, yada, yada. Well, surprise. Hey, all this gambling money, we're going to set aside however much money of this and we're going to send it and let it go to education. Now, they said that. And there's a funny paper trail where it hasn't really been going to education, but make this sports betting on the Special Olympics set aside, kind of like if you go to a big football game, and I'm, I'm sure you've seen it, the 50-50 raffles, right? You say at the whole amount of money that they say, let's say they get $500,000 at a game for the 50-50 raffle wall, 250000 of that's going to a charity. And the other 250000 is going to go to some lucky person in the crowd. Do that with sports betting for Special Olympics. Take <laughs> half the money somehow or set that up like a 50-50 raffle and let half that money go to a Special Olympics charity. So in Boom. a nutshell, Tom is trying to find an excuse to be able to bet on the Special Olympics. I don't, I don't bet on I mean, yeah, I don't. You know, listen, I cringe every time i pay the hundred dollars for my fantasy football league i'm like fuck you know i don't even you know i get i get a couple games in the season i'm like i don't even know why i'm fucking putting my money into this uh, like, disgusting uh, you know so i'm not no, tom uh i, I i'm no a gambler words. jones I'm, that I'm loses 60 that. Bucks. no words we we gotta go that was that was something uh crowdfund <laughs> special olympics charity through gambling <laughs> I'm here for it. Gamble responsibly. Don't waste your money on gambling on the Special Olympics. On that note, we or should... just gambling in general. That too. Big thanks to uh, uh, Jerry Ramsey for joining us, Coach Bo, uh, and you, the listener, as well. Subscribe to the Jones Report. New episodes out each and every week, wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, Apple, and uh, check us out on social media, facebook.com slash Tyler Jones Live, Facebook.com slash Studio Soapbox, and uh, also uh, Twitter at Tyler Jones Live, at Thomas underscore Bridges, at Studio underscore Soapbox, and Instagram, Tyler Jones Live, Instant Thomas, Jones underscore Report. You can find us there. For our entire crew, I'm Tyler Jones. Thanks so long. It's been another distance Jones Report. We'll see you next week.